Pedro, thank you for joining me today. How's it going? It's going pretty good. Going pretty good. It's a Monday. Um, and just living through the trauma of Hurricane Ian. Just picking up the pieces. Awesome. We're definitely going to talk about Hurricane Ian because we're both Southwest Florida residents. You might be in Cape Coral, are you? Yeah, yeah. I'm, in, uh, I'm off of, I'm kind of in the second Blood zone of Cape Coral, so uh, Cape Coral Parkway near the pretty like a like about two miles away from the 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 river and the bay. Yeah, yeah. I um, I live off of Forty Seventh. Uh, you know where like that the where they sell like twenty five roses for twenty bucks or whatever. Yeah. Right, yeah I, I live did... like right, and I live, live like a block from that. I did not know you lived that close. Yeah, it's nice going to Ollie's because usually I have to drive like three hours for shows, whereas yeah. I can just I could I could walk to Ollie's if I needed to. I w I don't blame you. Like, it's kind of the reason why if I want to do it, I'm very like I don't want to drive too far for a show unless it's like it's yeah. a band that I, it's on my bucket list. You know, um, no offense to many bands, but if uh, if it takes three hours, it I I have stuff in a life. Unfortunately, I love you guys, but. I will see you when you get around here. That's a huge thing, and that's one thing I do miss about living in Chicago, because I, I went to school in Chicago for a year. I went to Loyola Chicago, and I uh, that's I, that's actually I got into heavier music, because I went to a bunch of shows at like House of Blues, Bottom Lounge, um, right. places like that, and... And it was nice because I, I had a free I had a free pass on the L to go wherever I wanted, whenever I wanted. And it was super easy to get to any show I wanted, and that was super nice. Whereas now, I pretty much only attend local shows because if I'm going to drive two and a half, three hours, I'm going to get paid for it. I'm not going to pay to drive that far. Right, right, exactly. It's kind of, it, it, it's almost like a, a, a benefit cost of like analysis that you have to do on yourself. Like how much money am I going to spend on gas and food and da, 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 da. And it's yeah. like. It's it's better to just kind of stick it a little bit closer because a it's around your community. B uh, generally, like you know, it's you, you can see things that are popping off before it gets a little bit bigger. So it's always nice to see those kind of trends and stuff and see yeah, what's absolutely. like. Absolutely. And oh, then, like, did, uh, did did you book uh, D Dial Drive when they came out? No, that was actually Sean, I believe. I want to say oh, it was yeah, Sean they... uh, or possibly Alita. I think that they announced like a tour, part of a tour today. And holy shit, they're going all over. I'm like, damn, I can't it, believe I shot you guys at Ollie's. Like, that's kind of nuts. It's insane. Like, some of the bands that are kind of popping off and playing fest. Like, I saw, like, Lost Anubis is a band that I that's from Miami that I saw, like, four years ago, four or five years ago. And they were, like, it was before they kind of, like, like the kind of uh the kind of second wave or like I don't want to say second wave. It sounds stupid. The the newer wave of kind of, like, Riot Girl bands that are, that are popping off. Yeah. Uh, and they were playing, and I'm like, oh, this is fucking rad. And now they're playing, like, all these fucking, they're playing um, uh, Little Stevie's fucking uh, music festival up in New York. I can never remember what the name of it is. The one yeah. that's, like, in Governor's Ball. It's Governor's Ball. It's really cool, like, um, yeah, like, for example, I met Ocean's End through Ollie's, and 
we hit it up pr off pretty well. Me and Will Birdwell are homies, and I'm I pretty much work for them. And um, Who's a I love that man so much. He's he's that amazing. He's he's like one of my favorite people in the world. And I can't talk too much about it, but we're pretty much gonna be on the road for like a third of next year, and it's absolutely oh, insane the plans he has. Yeah, I, 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 how his brain works and his like dedication and motivation, especially, uh, just like, man, after, if, you know, like Will's got a family and shit, <laughs> like I yeah. would have just stuck around and just, just sat down and kind of, you know, put on the fucking tie and eat, eat shit. But Will's like so into his passion and so he has such a clear vision for it that it's awe inspiring. It is literally awesome. Yeah, people act like I'm some feral, rabid dog when it comes to how passionate I am with, with advancing my photography career. And I thought I was too, and then I met Will Birdwell, who's basically like, I'm going to headline festivals someday, and here's exactly how I'm going to do it. I'm like, holy shit, like, you're, you're insane in like the best possible way. Sometimes you have to have a little bit madness to do some crazy shit. Like, Absolutely. I remember a friend of mine, he would talk about because he would skate like big rails and stuff and jump down big shit. And it would always freak me out because I would always get in my head and get super anxious. You know, like my anxiety would just come out and I'd be like, no, I'm good. I'm going to do something else. Or I'll just break my board and like have a temper tantrum. But he was just like, yeah, sometimes I'm just, it's just, you just call it like madness. You'd just be like, ah, I don't even think about it. I just fucking do it, barge ahead and don't even fucking worry about it. And it's, that trait is, is very, it, it can be an incredibly positive fucking thing. You know, yeah, absolutely. You know, so we've talked, and um, you're a bit of a historian of the Southwest Florida scene. Um, you're, you're, and you're, you've also told me a bit how you're one of the elder emos. Um, how, uh, have you always been in the area, and, and how old are you? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm 34. I've been in the area, and in like, I've been in the area for almost. God damn, I moved when I was six. So about 20, 20, I would say about 25 years, often with like a couple of months taken off and on because I wanted to travel and, and yeah. figure it out. Yeah, I mean, that's the way to be. I, I think anybody who spends all their time in one place and doesn't see the world is kind of really missing out. Not everybody has the means to do that, but uh, if you if you do, like, hell, even Skylar talks about how he was homeless in New York City and just hitchhiking around the country. Like, yeah, you know, if if you, if you want to see the world, you can do it. It's just you're gonna have to make a lot of sacrifices to do so. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's a lot. It's you're and you're gonna have it's a no. It's fun, but it's also taxing at the same time. You know, there's always been a part of me that no matter where I was, whether that be on the other coast or in some other country, I was always kind of like. Kind of miss just being like alone in Lehigh a little bit, you know. Yeah, <laughs> it's nice to have a to have a tree with roots somewhere, you know. Yeah, absolutely, and um, yeah. So, uh, tell tell us a bit, bit more about yourself. So, I understand you book a lot of shows at Ollie's and are pretty involved there. Like, how did that get started? So that is uh that is mad props to uh, Alita, who's a who's also one of the the chief mischief makers at Ollie's because um, she bartends and books and does promotions and did, does a lot over there. Uh, she, she was just like, we were drinking one time and hanging out and she was like, Hey, you should check out this place. 
ollies and in my head fucking i forgot about this um in my head i was so drunk and high that i thought she said there was comic books there and i was like yeah fuck yeah i need to go find some comic books to read so that was the the main selling point <laughs> so i went in there looking for comics and i found sean in a record store and lee bossler fucking in their crazy little weird thing where it was just like I remember the first time sitting in there, it was just kind of, it was a very weird sense of calm. Like in every bar that I've gone to, I'm always anxious. You know, there's always a sense of it. And even days where you see me at Ollie's and, and running a show, there's a, there's a sense of anxiety or social anxiety that, you know, if I go up on stage or anything like that, I'm freaking the fuck out mentally. I don't like being in front of people. It, it bothers me a lot. And like talking in front of people tends to like freak me out. And I, I I'm a weirdly private person in a sense that I'll just say random shit, but a lot of the times it's, I, it's a, like a deflecting joke that doesn't get uh, to a lot of uh, my own stuff. Um, so when I got there, it was such a fucking refreshing experience to feel that type of, I don't even say like welcoming. It's definitely welcoming, but that kind of like, serene calm that you can just be yourself you know like you don't have to play a part you don't have to do shit you could just do whatever the fuck you want and if some people dig it some people dig it and some people don't they don't but you're a-okay there so yeah i uh, I completely get that yeah i um i kind of went through a similar experience where you know uh my first show at ollie's i didn't really talk to anybody I asked, um, I don't know, I, I asked if it was cool if I could shoot there, and they let me in for free. I'm like, holy shit, that's cool. I probably should cut that part out, but, um, <laughs> but, um, but, uh, I was just setting up and, like, testing my camera settings. I just had a shitty old Canon the first time I shot. It was Desigo and Emerald Vision, Rest in Peace, and Iron Buddha, and, um, you might you might book that show. I don't know how that works, but um... uh, no, it's, uh, I, there's like a there's there's like a I, I don't even know how we call it. I'm just gonna label it the council for right now. There's yeah. a, there's a, I mean, generally it's like Sean who books a lot of it, and then if there's open dates, uh, Scott or me. Oh yeah, Scott. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Somebody. So, yeah. So, so, one of my band friends was Scott. like was like, "Who is this?" And I'm like, "Uh, I have no idea." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, I kind of went through the same thing. Uh, my first time out, I was setting up my camera, testing stuff, and Dix was like, hey, you can't have that in here. I'm like, oh, fuck. And then Dix was like, oh, I'm just messing with you. And that was, like, my <laughs> first experience. Like, and then, like, and then, like, Susie, who was working the door that night, started talking with me, and, like, we instantly became friends because, like, I've... So, like, a little bit of backstory. I'm talking about myself a lot here, but I think it's a cool story. Like, I moved down here from Southern Illinois not knowing a single person. And I went I to FGCU, and I got into a relationship that was toxic and abusive, so I didn't know anybody after living here for over a year. Ooh. Because she kind of took up all my time and wasn't really keen on, like, sharing me. And, right. um... Um... So... You know, I, I had some friends in Orlando and stuff from going to show, like, the big shows, like Dance Cabin Dance and things like that. And um, I was 
talking to Johnny, who who's the singer of Lost Trees. You guys should try to get them out, but I don't know. They they th- they think they're pretty big. I'll cut that out. Um, <laughs> but I'll, um, I'll we'll see if that's the, if that's the if that's the mentality there. <laughs> yeah, it's just yeah. Somehow my photography isn't good enough for them, but I I don't see a lot of photographers who are better than me. So, but whatever. Um, like oh uh, yeah, he was uh he, he they they have a tour they just finished up, but this was back in March, and I was like, hey, if you ever need a merch person, I'd I'd love to see the world with y'all. He's like, well, like bands don't really take out merch people, like they take out photographers who do merch or audio people who do merch. And I was kind of in between jobs. I just wrecked my car and stuff. So I was like, you know what? Photography sounds fun. And I bought a camera. I I looked all over Instagram for any shows coming up in Southwest Florida. I'm like, oh, that looks like a fun show. Messages as I go. Hey, can I shoot your pics for free just to see if I like it? Sure. I'm Buddha. Sure. Emerald Vision. Sure. And then um, that was just really cool, I thought. And um, yeah, and Susie... Susie's like one of my best friends in the entire world. She's an absolute sweetheart. And uh, she she just like was just so nice to me. And I just didn't, I wasn't expecting that. Like all the people I've encountered at shows, like working the shows, like at the big shows were all like faceless, soulless people oh. making minimum wage or whatever. So like yeah. having somebody that like went out of their way to talk to me that worked at this place. I'm like, holy shit, that's really cool. And I kept coming and I became friends with Ryan and London from Emerald Vision. And I became friends with Cody eventually. They reached out for their big birthday slash Cody and Co. final performance. I became friends with Dave. I became friends with me and Sean became cool. And, you know, just stuff like that. Like, it's just I've always had anxiety in places with loads of people and like trying to fit in and stuff. And I still do sometimes always like if I don't see one of my safe people around, I get really anxious and like just find somewhere to sit down until they come back around. But um, I feel the same way. Like, like, yeah. Yeah. And and one thing that helps is like for me, whenever I'm shooting a show, like when I'm not actively shooting, I, I'm I'm pretty anxious socially, but like whenever I'm shooting a show, I just kind of I feel like I don't know, like I'm supposed to be there, you know, like I have a purpose, like I'm doing this for a reason. And it kind of just takes all my anxiety away. I get lost in the moment. And it's just yeah. I don't know. It's really cool. I don't I don't know if you can relate to any of that at all. But, yeah, you know, that's just I my only story. A hundred percent. You know, I'll, I'll start it off with the I why I love skateboarding so much is that's that is what makes me feel like that. Like that's where my true authentic self comes out. All the little weird quirks where I can just be free and not, not worry about anything and having a place that feels like that is an immensely rewarding feeling like, and having a community that is really open, you know, like we're all just kind of fucking weirdos trying to find our own little place in the world. So now we have a little place that we can call home to say that. Yeah, it's I've rude. never encountered anywhere before Ollie's where, like, I've just completely felt comfortable to wear what I feel comfortable wearing, talk to whoever there, and I know the 99% chance they'll be nice and welcoming and want to be friends, too. And just the bands are all really cool. Like, I've rarely had an issue with anybody that performs there, like... It's just a really cool place. It really feels like it feels as yeah. home to me as my apartment does. 
Yeah, I, I agree. Like I've never I've never gone to a skate park that made me feel like that. And it's only been the action that's made me feel like feel like that. And I mean that in the sense of like maybe the crowd at the skate park is how do I say this diplomatically, a little bit more ignorant to to more di- diverse cultures than usual. So Yeah, I get what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying to be nice about it. They're homophobic and racist. That's the that's the that's the clear cut of it. Uh, that's the Dude, true this, one. This is probably the most explicit music podcast on the on, on Spotify. Yeah, like I, I went through a bunch of people at the skate park. Like, how dare he fucking say call us homophobic and racist? Yeah, it's just like who gives a shit? Like, uh, yeah. like a a job can look me up and find me going step by step about how I tried to kill myself, but who gives a shit? Yeah, yeah, same. It, I fuck it. Who at the end of the day, it, your past is your past. Who fucking gives a shit? It's what you fucking do now and how you fucking treat yeah. people. But sorry, and, I keep interrupting I you. But <laughs> oh, you're good, buddy. I was gonna say I completely like when I moved down here. I I know that feeling of being that that almost alone ostracized feeling of being like the other because i moved from queens new york one of the most, most like diverse fucking places on earth that i saw people that i could recognize and i could talk to to lehigh acres florida predominantly oh. white and old yeah so i remember my first day of kindergarten i fucking cried and just like i like I, my first day it wasn't even kindergarten i think it was like first grade or something six so I just remember going to school and just like fucking saying my name and then getting laughed at and then just fucking bolting out of the school. Yeah, my my first girlfriend who I met at FGCU, she lived in Lehigh. Do you want to know her nickname for it? Uh, Oh, I bet it's great. Dank ass Lehigh. I fucking hate that. (laughs) I get it. Here's the thing. I get it. I get that. (laughs) <laughs> and it's I, mean, not I mean, I mean, she, she definitely gets the struggle because she, she, she was mixed, half black, and all that. Yeah, it is. It, Lehigh's a weird place, and I kind of fucking love it because it's. Yeah, I, I, it's, I, I think it's cool to be honest. Like, I think it's nice to have, like, I, I know it's predominantly white in a lot of areas, but I think it's cool that like it has its own diverse culture because I think Fort Myers and Cape Como are just completely sterile. Like, at least Lehigh is a little spicy. It is. I fucking hold this to a fact that if you want the best Spanish or Caribbean food in Lee County, you go to fucking Lehigh. You just drive down Homestead, and you will get... You can stop, but there's, like, little old ladies selling tamales on the side of the road that are fucking crazy good. Yep. It, It is, like, it is one of those weirdly, like, just because there's how it was built, and I've been recently, like, reading into, like, how Florida was developed because a lot of the basis of how I think this thing has kind of the scene has kind of grew and, and shaped itself is because of how these fucking towns are planned out. And like Lehigh is one of those things where there's not really a music scene. There's a lot of musicians and artists that live there yeah. because it's a, it's built like that. It, there's just fucking grids of houses. So they don't have these like, you know, town center or anything like that. It's just supposed to be this fucking place where retirees go. But yeah. these fucking idiots, you know, back in the past developing this shit didn't realize that, you know, sometimes those retirees have grandkids and and sons and daughters that will also yeah. move in. 
Is it the same kind of story? Because I believe the way that Cape Coma became uh, became a thing is that like some developer in Chicago or somewhere started selling off land in Cape Coma for like for like dimes on the dollar before they even knew it was there or even marked off the land. Like, and then people showed up and start building on it, and they had the receipt or whatever, so nobody stopped them. It's it's. I want to say it's even crazier than that. It was actually the Rosen brothers from Pittsburgh who developed Cape Coral. They were okay, shampoo yeah. salesmen. They sold shampoo before they developed the town. Yeah, that's fucking nuts. It's fucking crazy. So, oh my god. So how they developed it is that they just fucking they would they would just fucking dredge up everything, fly people around. So they at the beginning of Cape Coral they had this big ass rose garden. So it was like that kind of like like almost like Disneyland fifties fantastical, you know, like people are doing synchronized swimming and shit and water spouts are going and different lights are going. It's probably quite beautiful to be honest. Like you saw it in real life. Um, but they would like sucker people in by that. They would fly them down, look, they'd take them out to dinner, be like, look at the show. It's pretty great. And then fly them around and drop like bags of sand on lots to kind of like mark where their lots were at and they would sell them like pennies on the dollar. But it was like a, it was like a really, it wasn't them buying the land. It was for the most part, a lot of them would just buy leases of the land that oh. would just like renew. Yeah. It was like a fucking crazy money making scheme. Like a lot of Southwest Florida is just like, Oh God, even short. Like if, when you talk about before it got developed in the fifties, a lot of Florida was just these like fucking tiny poor towns. And then you have a prison population in the fucking swamp um, yep. fu- cleaning up tar. They would like fire up tar and they would have these machines that would go like 400 or not even 400, like 700, 800 degrees Fahrenheit out in the swamp in the summer. So you would have a lot of fucking prisoners die of like dehydration and exhaustion. It's, it is the history of Florida and how it got or Southwest Florida, and how it got developed is one of the fucking gnarliest stories that I can think of. And it's, it it's built by greed. It's not like it, you know, the the modern development scheme was almost like, like the corporatization of fucking, what the what the union was doing to the Seminole Indians. You know, like they they were just colonizing yeah. it in a different fucking way. Yeah, it's 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 really interesting. Like I just. Yeah, I'm 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 honestly not a fan of Cape Coral or Fort Myers or like anywhere down here to be honest. I I like I like Tampa. I like St. Pete. Hell, I even like Holiday a little bit. Like it's got it's got a big culture to it. Yeah. But um I'm a, I'm a Lehigh homer. I used to say Cape Coral could if they got bombed off the face of the earth, I wouldn't feel bad about it. And now it's kind of grown on me. Now I feel I I look back at yeah, those statements and like I'm just being an asshole. I, I am a bit more fond, especially since Ollie's is here. Like Ollie's, if if Ollie's wasn't here, I don't know what the fuck I would do during like I, m- the majority of my week. Yeah, I, I understand that. I think I think I learned this from traveling kind of through the South and taking those kind of back roads and stuff like that. Is that there's there's always pockets of relatability in in small towns. They might not be yeah. as open you know um as usual because of pressures whether they be societal or you know there's just nothing to fucking do you know uh but there's always fucking really amazing great people no matter where they go and there's always something happening it's just 
it's just I think how a community gets built and how it sticks around, like like mentioning, you know, bringing it back to being here for so long. I, you know, seeing seeing like you know, bands get big, then you know they kind of start getting out of the county, they start doing the state, they get a bit bigger, and it gets a little too fast, and it all kind of like falls apart. And yeah. at that time, it's almost like you're losing. It's almost like a like a cultural exodus, you know. Like you, you're losing some people that are always kind of that had some footing on the ground here, but for whatever reason, you know, they had to leave and or wanted to leave to kind of pursue better, greater, and bigger things, you know. And bless them, some of them fucking really made it. Like, uh, friend Justin's ear is fucking killing it in Portland, just DJing all around, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I just, I think Fort Myers, Cape Coral area has potential, especially when you consider that there's so much near it. Like there's Lehigh, there's Naples, there's Bonita Springs. Like there's so much, there's so many people in one place. It's just, and these people that came to retire, they have grandkids and kids that come with them oftentimes, or kids that come down to FGCU or FSW or whatever else. Um, And just like, I feel like there is a lot of potential. I think. Not to get too slanderous, but I think Buddha Live could have been something really cool before they sold the fuck out. And, um, or at least the people that promote their sold the fuck out. Because I think they could have been, like, what Crowbar is to, to, um, to Tampa, like, how Ollie's is to, like, the Brass Mug or the Vault or whatever. Like, I think I if... Agree. I agree. 100% agree to that. Like, or, hell, even the Orpheum, like, I, I see a lot of similarities between Buddha Live and the Orpheum, the way it's set up, or at least the old Orpheum. Like, I think if they went, if they kept it DIY, kept, like, gave small bands chances without fucking them over, like, that would go a long ways to, like, getting bands to stay down here and come down here, because, I mean, I love all these, but if you're looking to make money and sustain yourself as a band, like, you... <laughs> It's just not really, it's not always the best financial decision to drive two and a half hours to Ollie's. I mean, I, it's. I, I, I actually had a conversation with the manager of the Detroit Cobras about the finances of how a band kind of makes a, like a living wage on that. And you're, it, yeah, like a lot of like those payouts have to be, you know, a few hundred, you know, to, to each band member or something like that. Because after, you know, you're touring and all that all that financing and stuff like that, it becomes a fucking cost, you know? Yeah, and it's just, and that's a hard thing too, is that Southwest Florida is like in this really weird location to where it's kind of close to Tampa, it's kind of close to Miami, but that drive to get to Tampa or Miami is an absolute bitch. Yeah, like, but it's just hard. It is, but there's also like pockets of fucking cool. Like Bradenton has a weird shoegaze scene that I that's been popping. Oh up yeah, Bradenton's really cool. They they have some cool oh, venues in Bradenton and Sarasota. Yeah, like there's there's pockets in there. I think that's the thing that everyone neglects is that there are pockets of areas, whether they be like there's a fucking bar in Arcadia that I wish I could remember off the top of my head that plays like DIY music, and I've been talking to them recently, and it, it sounds like a fucking rad little experience. But um, there's pockets everywhere, but they're like few and far between. It's it's how do I say it? there's 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 an Ollie's in every little town. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, definitely. You... Yeah, 
I, I honestly think that the folk punk slash punk scene and 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 at that's based around Ollie's has a lot of potential because I think I see people oh, well. pack the house for Go Read Theory. I see people pack the house and go crazy for Dave. I see people enjoy what Cody's doing at open mics. Like I see people being like really ha- I see people f- fucking love except you. Poetic words fucking yeah. surprised the fuck out of me the other night where I was just everyone was that was the, one of the few times where I didn't see anyone smoking a cigarette outside. And I was like, well, what the yeah, fuck? Yeah, and, and they just started. I mean, I, I get that, like, they're, everybody in the band is well-known, so, like, people want to support their friends. But, like, I mean, there's a lot of people that are well-known, and everybody's like, oh, shit, I gotta go smoke a cigarette right now. Yeah, yeah. There's, it, it's, it, I hate using the term clout, but there's, there's, it's kind of like that, uh, it depends on, you know, everyone has their kind of little groups. Yeah. And I think that's, that's great, um, in a sense, and I, I hope this group's. I just hope that it doesn't like it becomes tribalistic, you know, or it becomes yeah, like only. That's what I worry about because I want. That's one I want thing that is. Too. That that is one thing that does give me social anxiety sometimes is because the fact that I am relatively new here, and then you see these groups of people like hanging together. It's like I don't really want to intrude on like the chemistry and stuff they have going on. Though I know like if I actually did, they wouldn't give a shit. But still, like it can be kind of Im- intimidating to ha- to like come in and then you see like two or three ma- major groups of people hanging out together. Yeah, it's one of those things where if I host, you'll see me. I'll. I'll that's one of those times where I'll, I'll drink beers quick pretty quickly because I'm anxious and I have to like make sure people are in and out and shit and. Yeah, I have to be comfortable, and it's yeah, you. It's almost it feels like it's almost voyeuristic because you intrude on someone's space and stuff like that. Yeah, like, I, I, I definitely get that. Um, I'm having trouble keeping coherent thoughts already, and I, if I'm, I've only drank a, a bottle and a half of Mike's hard lemonade. Oh, you're so, good. I just packed a bowl, so let's fucking do it. <laughs> yeah, we, we we vibing, bro. So yeah, I just think. Yeah, like, the local scene definitely has a lot of potential, and I've seen a lot of bands just get started, and, like, people immediately enjoy them, whereas I felt, I don't know about you, but I, f- I felt like in somewhere around May and June that Ollie's had gone kind of stagnant, and, like, I just saw a lot of the same bands playing every weekend, and then, yeah. and then, like, and then starting around the fall, I think things have really started to pick up again, which I think is a really good sign. It is, I, I think, and it's 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 kind of hard not to, because sometimes you can rely, you know, on those on those bands that you know, if you call them, they'll be able to play no matter what. Yeah, um, it, and it tends to be sometimes a crutch as much as as it can be. It, it it's a thing that we we talk about is how do you keep it diverse and always ch- ever changing? Because here's the thing: is that the scene's never going to last in Southwest Florida. It's going to change. It's going to metamorphosize into a different thing. So what's going to happen now, you know, a couple of years from now is probably going to be a lot different with different people and yeah. how to connect those dots. And right now we're like the, I think this is like the perfect time because you have a lot of people that I remember when I was younger who were kind of the old, back when house shows were still a thing again. And like, you know, renting a fucking uh, a, a, a storage space and playing a show from there was a thing um, that those people are starting to move down back down and hopefully, you know, they can provide that kind of wisdom that kind of 
connects that sinew in between those two because I, I I always worry because the the thing about those types of um, movements is that there's almost like a period of nothingness in between. Yeah. I know. Yeah, I, I think I think that's kind of what this summer was was like an in between because there was kind of a group of bands I saw play more often like March and April, and then now yeah. that it's like September October, there's a group of bands I'm seeing a lot more of now. So like, there's definitely transitionary periods. Yeah, yeah, and that's not a bad thing. Like people change and people want to do really different things, and generally it's fucking super rad. Um, yeah, but. There's always going to be that. Yeah, you're right. It's that transition in period, and it's it's one of those things where it's it's how do we can how do we just keep the 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 energy going from from that yeah. to the next? You know, like one of the things that I fucking really enjoy is that, um, like I'm fucking tired. <laughs> I'm old. I'm I'm in my mid thirties now. I'm old. Sean's in his Sean is in his question mark age. I don't want to give that one out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but he doesn't look a know, day past 27 don't even imply yeah, it he's, he's 27 as am i <laughs> i'm 27 i'm 34 um uh you know we there's only so much um, amount of energy and time we can focus on things and it's it's fucking it's invigorating to see the kind of passion that the new kind of generation brings in and stuff like that and they kind of like you know it's like just fucking youthful invigorance you know like i don't want to yeah. sound like people feel like i'm just gonna take their blood and drink it for my youth but it, it's it is very like okay well you know then if if people are feeling like you, you listen to a lot of e40 by chance no okay well there's a terminology in the south bay area uh, it's called hyphy, and hyphy is uh, is like a term that he coined that is just kind of like an just like a communal exuberance, you know. Like if you're like I'm hyphy, I'm really feeling everything. I'm feeling everybody. Everyone's hyphy. You're hyphy. I'm hyphy. It's just an adjective that describes like a just something rad. <laughs> I'm just using another another made up word to describe it. Uh, <laughs> But it, it it it's that how do you keep that almost like using that term? How do you keep that hyphiness from from one scene to the next? And how do you keep that that growth so it doesn't so there's not that stop period and it grows a little bit bigger and more places can can express themselves and do what they want to fucking do. And there's a lot of places that do that. You know, around here you could name nice guys and fucking to a lot of extents how you know like there's yeah. a lot of fucking cool fucking places in this area and a lot of great people that unfortunately those structures aren't in place and they in Howley County and it's the kind of uh, com community of Lee County because we're dealing with like like I did the fucking numbers the other day doing a while back ago and it's like Cape Coral is 75% 65 and older yeah so it's, like, it's nuts it's Cape Coma it, for a reason it, yeah, it's a lot of people, and then you know, Fort Myers not is just a tad high, tad lower, you know. Yeah. And then when you when you start looking at the economics and the property rates of like which areas, it it gets kind of fucking crazy. Where you're just like, there's 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 a there's a fucking amount of people that uh, can be in the scene that want to express themselves and want to fucking have a fucking great time, 
but it's finite. And then you have all these other people that because they have, they, you know, they're the ones with the cash that can pay the fucking bills for most paces or, you know, swing it around. They're the ones that want, you know, the fucking cover bands and the fucking, yeah. you know. Yeah, and like the Dixie Roadhouse type stuff and the ranch Dixie and that Roadhouse kind of stuff. The, yeah, the ranch. Ugh. Yeah, that's gross. But yeah, I mean, I I just really think that... Yeah, like one thing I've noticed is that I think, okay, I'm I'm just throwing my thoughts out which one I want to go first. So you yeah, kind of mentioned like like the economic inequality that there is because you have a group of people who are younger and they're being priced out by the people who moved down here with l- bags of money to spend. Right, and I think that kind of inequality is kind of a big boost to the fact that I think there's a really big punk movement rising, a really big DIY movement rising down here. Like, I oh, see yeah. a lot of D- DIY house shows, like, in Naples and Bonita Springs, which I think is I really mean, cool. Like, I think I think that's something that, that people should try to hop onto that wave, because I think having multiple ways to view a show instead of just, okay, we can either go to Nice Guys or... Ollie's this weekend is is a good thing rather than a bad thing. And you made a fucking great point. It's it, the house shows were such a vital part of the scene for such a long time. Like house shows are where a lot of bands would prove that they could pull people and then go to fucking bars and be like, "Hey, I can guarantee you fucking fifty people in this place tonight." And they would have those venues, you know, open up the doors for them and shit. Um, and like, it's it's great to hear. Like, I've I've been hearing about the Slam House, and I really want to fucking yo homies at the Slam House. If you're listening to this, holler at your boy. We got to do some business. Oh um, yeah, I've I've been to the Slam House with uh, Ocean's End and Chasing Airplanes and Penny Fountain and Steps yeah. of Odessa. And man, that's a cool ass place. It's it's uh. In case they are listening, I want to think of the best way to phrase this. It's very DIY. It's very, okay. uh, it's very intimate. It's very metal, and those are the best ways I'll put it. But it's a really cool experience, I think. That's and it's cool. hot as hell inside. Yeah, it always is. <laughs> I don't think there's ever gonna be like a unless it's like up north. Like there's yeah. gonna be a house down here that's wellly cooled. Yeah, it's pretty much a shed in the back of a restaurant. But it's cool. Really? It's, it's, yeah, it's it's cool as fuck though. It's okay, it's pretty much a big shed. Okay, that's interesting to hear. Like, there's no bar. There's no food. There's it's just you. People, it's you either go in and watch the show or you go outside to hang out and talk. And that's, that's like cool. your only two options. Like that. That's generally how I like. I before long before there was the hoop. I you've heard about the fabled hoople house once in a while. No, I haven't. I'd love to hear about it. So the Hoople House was uh, basically a house in downtown Fort Myers um, that people would rent out. It was cheap. It was where every like crust punk would live because it was like cheap rent and you just hang out there. Um, but they would do like a shit ton of house shows. So a lot of like the bands that I would see um, were doing that. Uh, we're playing those type of house shows and people would just open their houses. Like I forgot there was a hoopa house there in Cape. There was a lot of like industrial, like off of um, where the, uh, where like off the city hall, like on Santa Barbara and shit, they mm-hmm. would, uh, 
they would like just rent out a fucking storage shed and just host a show there. And it was always like hardcore shows and shit like that. Yeah. And like where I was going with that, like, oh, we talked about. So you're starting a branch off of or like a partner company to Trash Cat Records where you're kind of going to be handling the booking and management for artists. Is that is that the, the right gist of it? Yeah, so yeah, it's 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 uh titled the Salil Collective. So we okay. are little sun kids, sun people. Um and yeah, it it really it's trying to figure out the venues and open venues and kind of like pop-up areas where bands can play shows where it's not and, and not even bands, it could be artists, it could be it, you know, it that's a little it's a little it's open-ended on that. Um but you know, primarily we're doing music, uh, but where it can just be where, you know, there's no, there's no, um, enforcement of a, of a, of a kind of certain sound or anything like that, where it can be a little bit more open-ended and we can have bands that kind of want to play what they want to play. And we don't have to worry about too much in the sense of like, you know, um, figuring out uh, liability insurance <laughs> or yeah. you know, the, the, that type of stuff, like where it gets a little bit more corporatized and stuff like that, where it's more, you know, pushing paper and shit like that. Yeah. It, it, I just make it a little bit more lively. I just think like, you definitely don't want something to become sterile or corporate, but I think the way that things are now is a little bit too scattered in a lot of ways. Like, I think having a booking company willing to represent, not necessarily booking, but, like, you know, the things that you mentioned, like, you're wanting to put on shows, you're wanting to help artists get on shows, whether it be bands or whatever. Like, I think something like that that actively seeks out places to have shows and new artists that are killing at house shows that they put on and stuff like that could help the scene a lot because there's almost, there's only so much Sean can do. There's only so much the council can do. Like, there has to be somebody a new band can go to be like hey we're just starting out can you help us get on a show somewhere and you'd be like okay bring this main people to this house show at this date and then we can talk from there like i just think i just think something like that would be very good for the scene yeah agreed i mean it's one of those things where it's like we've been talking about how how much house shows were so vital um to to building that up that it's it's almost a bit sad that there's there's a lack of house shows in this area, and it's really great to hear. I don't. I want to hear the Benita one. Um, that there's there's places in Naples because seeing the Southwest Florida. Also, I want to give big props to the Southwest Florida scene people. Whoever's running that, yeah. thank you. Oh my gosh! But I saw that. That's where I I heard about the Slam House, and seeing that was just like it was. It brought some warmth to my you know cold heart. I was like, oh hell yeah, people are doing house shows again. And it, it's trying to keep that. And actually, speaking of houses, I saw, uh, the, you know, Angela's, except you, they did a house show at, at, at their, uh, at Sean's place. Um, sorry, he's the basis, I believe. Uh, I always forget what he, what he plays. Uh, but it was freaking rat. I mean, I mean, it, it looked awesome. Like having that space and having, seeing all that and seeing all those people there and, and it's, it makes I'm I'm just like rambling on, sorry. But it, it's very yeah. uh it's fucking awesome to see. Like 
it, it's great to see that community come together and and just enjoy something is is something that we kind of is a very just like heartwarming experience i guess mm-hmm. oh shoot yeah absolutely and i think and i think a big reason why maybe bands move out of the move out of the area is because they think okay we're in southwest florida we're not going to make it out of here but maybe if they have somebody representing them that has like connections that like somebody like you can say oh i actually know a band in savannah georgia and raleigh north carolina that if you go play up there with them they'll come down here and play with you so you know just stuff like that like i think not only being able to put on shows down here but being able to like make connections throughout southern united states and kind of make it more viable to be a musician in a lot of ways to be able to have more opportunities is is extremely key i don't know if you agree with that no i completely agree completely agree because it 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 builds that that little network you know i hate i hate those terms like that those terms like it is people helping trying to push a little bit further in their art and that's that's something that you know everyone should kind of i feel like it it's just a nice thing to do you know like helping and and seeing someone grow and kind of pushes yourself to grow as well Okay, so back to Salil and Trash Cat and what you have going on there. What are some of the... We talked a little bit about it, but what are your main goals that you want to see out of this new venture you're starting? Yeah, so Salil, I think, is we're going to work side-by-side side with Trash Cat, and I'm still going to be helping and, and, and helping with the uh, promotion side of things for Trash Cat there. Um, just so anyone ask Cody. Uh, I think it... it, it they're partner groups, and in my head, it's almost like a trifecta. I would say Trash Cats, Lil, and you know, throw Ollie's in the mix to kind of have a brick and mortar area there. Um, that Salil will, will act as the kind of uh, I want to say like almost like the like the circus leader, where it's just kind of like you know promoting and, and throwing stuff out there and trying to grab people in. And all that, and the artists will, you know, that are set under, and we don't, it don't, it won't necessarily be, you know, uh, exclusive to Trash Cat Records. You know, we're a big open tent, but we kind of just, you know, just getting back to that point of just being able to support artists, um, try to get uh, spaces where their art can be performed and or or worked on, um, and then finding those avenues to just fucking have a great fucking time and be a be a rad community because it's 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 a it's an idea that is built on the shoulders of giants whether that be like roach and roll records with uh jeff kelly or cochran or what sean's doing or you know the people at nice guys or lyr you know with angela and them or you know fucking mark davis and that's someone you should talk to if you want to talk about history. Fucking Mark Davis has been in so many fucking bands. That I remember the skate park shows that he was in. Uh, but I'm digressing. That those, you know, those, those people have uh, influenced this incredibly. And it's, it's, you know, I just want that. Yeah, you know, I want to have a decentral. And almost I want to, I also want to fucking 
try to figure out a way to have a decentralized business where there's no boss because I really don't want to be a boss. I hate being a boss. Yeah, I don't want to tell like, anybody to like, do anything. Like more of a collaborative. Effort. Yeah, exactly. A collaborative effort where everyone will get um get compensated and you know, and where yeah, if that's... you put effort into it, you get something back. That's something you, you do need to be careful with, though, because I've noticed when it comes to things like that, um, if you want to make a collaborative effort, you got to keep the circle small, because if it's if it's this massive thing where, like, 30 people are all going their own directions, and it kind of, what, what you're trying to do loses its identity, and you can't really pr stop it from imploding, whereas if it's just, you know, a few people working on it, like three five ten whatever like i think that's a lot more manageable like would you agree i i agree to an extent and i agree on like when when it's coming to a project you want to keep the circle small but when it comes to like the availability of people i i want to keep it that circle big you know if yeah definitely really, i agree yeah yeah very much like parallel lines you know like we'll 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 do our things separately but every once in a while if you want to fucking crisscross let's crisscross you know yeah, okay, absolutely. So let's, have, let's let's put our heads together and see if something cool will come out, come out of it. Because I, yeah. I I think in any I've you know I, I when I was a kid and growing up and going to school I thought I was either going to be the the best skateboarder around or the best writer or a combination of both where I could just skate and write. And I realized that once I started kind of opening up and going to bigger spaces that I was so out of my depth. And I didn't realize who I, I was at the time too. So those combinations didn't weren't that fertile and I didn't have a really great support system. I mean, I had a, a good circle of friends that did pick me up when, when times were tough, but when it came to other aspects of like my, my identity and my personality, that may have not been handled in the best grace. Um, and having and seeing what's getting created and and seeing kind of like like I say fucking stupid shit and I'm I've I've been raised a certain way so I'm glad that I've been exposed to people that have not only taught me that those ways were incorrect but they they in fact inflict the harm that I always fucking don't want to cause so it's an it's a, it's a fucking just a great inspiring thing to have these people and have that community and, and be part of it because not only that does that grow you grow i grow um and you know if we can yeah. keep that continuing that's the fucking main goal <laughs> you know at the end of the day the main goal is let's just keep it the fucking ball rolling and hopefully these places can stay and hopefully new places can grow that will you know whether it be an art gallery or someone wants to do like a fucking cinema you know like i've been fucking around like Sean's been allowing me to do uh, movie movie days where we just kind of like riff on it. And it was, I was just aping fucking Mystery Science Series 3000. And now it's kind of morphing into its own little thing. And it, it could be a little avenue where people can watch movies where you don't necessarily can watch. And there's been places like that, like our Alliance Arts has, has done really cool fucking Mirasawa films, you know, French New Wave films. But yeah, I definitely get what you're saying. Like, one thing I've noticed is that, so we haven't really talked about much, but the South Florida, like the Miami, Fort Lauderdale, Boca Raton, Pompano Beach, like that scene 
especially the hardcore metalcore deathcore scene it's thriving right now and one they have there's a it makes it a little bit easier because there's a ton of venues down there even though they keep fucking closing which sucks but and there's big booking companies the one i know of is like equinox or something or equinox and then you go and then you go to orlando and you have montgomery drive who i've seen does a shit ton of shows and then you go to tampa and you you see pasta house and for your friends and stuff like that so i think i think the biggest thing to that this can do for the scene is like have like a clear path for support and be able to get on a show and be able to go to a show when like it's it's a little bit difficult now like you have to kind of know where to look and know the right people to know what's going on in the scene i think that could be a lot better yeah and i i I agree and i think um again it's it's always that weird focus of those those urban areas um you know the cities that that have those those resources available so it's weird that we live in this kind of weird pocket that um that that always that has that that's always had that potential like you know you say that there's there's potential in yeah the scenes always have potential in my eyes like that's always been a thing it's just this kind of decision of like do we build something here or do we move on for you know because some people get kids some people have better job opportunities some people have to do some family stuff you know, there's so many a plethora of reasons that are completely valid to go and leave. You know, maybe it's not safer here for some people, you know, um, yeah. or maybe there's, there's better creative opportunities that they've been offered in different places. And that's not something that you should that should, you know, I should say, like, oh, don't do that. Stay here. Be a fucking homer. No, fucking take those opportunities, you know. Um, but if you happen to come back, fucking spread the wealth and there's there there's there is this chance that like a lot of people a lot of great artists that i i am not doing enough justice to a lot of like local artists around here especially when it comes to like performance art poetry i haven't even touched like kid quest like in isaiah uh 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 i did uh, i always say i want to say ideally minded ideal minded that dude those dudes are fucking great palm over at beach records marty and them and sean over there fucking great people like there's oh jesus christ joe joe's records if you want to talk about a guy who's been here for long and has done some of the crazy shit when i i used to get i was really into garage rock when i was growing up so that's kind of my thing it's always been like miami's all talking about miami miami's great popping that garage rock scene in miami is also popping off which is just making me so happy um uh but joe from joe's records is that dude is a wealth of knowledge of just like the psychedelic sixties music that Florida had, like the flamingos, the Kingsmen and shit like that. And he, he's been around since for, since I moved here, you know, and he's been slinging records and comics for most of his life and doing his thing. And he finally got a shop and living the good life there. So there's, there's a, there's a wealth of people that, that are here that actually just do some rad shit. And I think, uh, you know, having a space where everyone can congregate would be just a nice little, nice little fucking thing. Yeah. And what I've noticed, especially since Hurricane Ian, like, you know, that people were throwing makeshift DIY shows in people's garages. Like 
like the show this Sunday at Ollie's, the the brunch or whatever got canceled, so they just did a show at Cody's apartment. Like, I'd, I'd, yeah. I really like to see that momentum with the set post-Hurricane Ian, that DIY aspect of let's just th- let's just throw shows wherever we can throw shows continue, which isn't easy because, like, obviously, like, a lot of the people involved in those shows are also involved at Ollie's, so they can't really, you know, perform at both. But, like, maybe if we get the right people involved we can have people that are like okay let's throw a show always let's throw a show here let's throw a show here and it can kind of it, it would be a lot to manage but like you know it's it's a good goal to have to be able to give people options of where they can play or where they can attend music every night i agree and i think unfortunately because of how well as we were discussing earlier the kind of economical pressures uh down here that happen to have with to to younger people or people around our age or even, I don't even say our age, like fucking, you know, just people who generally want to do that type of shit. It, it's a little bit harder to kind of throw a house show now because you yeah. tend to have, you're not renting a home. You're renting like a fucking two piece or something like that. You know, you're, you can't really make too much noise. You get the neighbors angry or God forbid you live in a HOA, you know, those fuckers will get you if you play it past 10. Hell, I mean, like they're, they're. Uh, it's got a bit more expensive, but they're building like affordable places in Lehigh. Like, I wouldn't mind going out to Lehigh for a house show, but that's just me. Like, Lehigh? I feel like Lehigh has potential there. Lehigh used to be a fucking house show place. There, there's a, a lot of places that people would just when people would just rent houses for dirt cheap over there. You know, that was the like, day when like fucking drug dealers would rent houses and just have grow houses and buff fuck Lehigh off of Sunshine, like where it was like eight eight eighty Street Southwest or some shit. Um, they it was because you would you would you could rent a, like a fucking three bedroom house for like a thousand dollars back then, and it was insane. And there was actually a little place that did some cool shit. There was a bar that was trying to pull some shit, and it was pretty rad. It was called a uh, Rolling Stone Libation Company. I think they lasted like six months because they got sued because from the Rolling Stone magazine. Oh my god, it was that sucks. yeah. Jan Wammer fucking comes and grabs his hands. It wasn't even like Mick Jagger. I was, if they got sued by the, like the band, the Rolling Stones, I would have thought it would be cooler. But like, it was the fucking magazine. That's so fucking stupid. It's so fucking ridiculous. And it was rad. It was like they they, they had a they were doing. They would have art. They had a little art gallery in, and they had a nice wine selection. And it was like craft beers and shit. And like Leah, if you go to a bar, it's like. You buy piss fucking dollar twenty five beer, and you and and if it's a weekend, you're probably gambling the dice that if you look different or say something different, you may get punched or stabbed. So, you know, it was it was a nice little oasis from the kind of that fucking aggro bullshit. And then you know, bands would play, but it lasted. It it was like a blip in the sands of time. It was a cool little thing that happened. And I wish more people would do it, but Lehigh is kind of hard to kind of do that type of shit because you can only, you know, you could do house shows, but, you know, if someone fucking calls the cops or anything like that, that always gets squirrely. And then the cops, then you have to deal with the police kind of being, being you know, you being on their radar and shit like that. Oh, yeah. Speak of the slam house, uh, Ocean's End was playing their Fuck the Cop song and the cops got called for a noise complaint in the middle of it. <laughs> So that's kind of weird, but I've never had that happen at a show before, but I, I guess it's common. Boy, I uh, the stories I could tell you about cops and shows, they are fucking one in plenty. Um, 
I'll, I'll give you one that's pretty great. Did you know there used to be hardcore shows at Sunsplash? What the fuck? Yeah, let that sink in for a second. I, now, I say this, I believe there was only two. I think there was only two. I attended one of them. And, um, you know, I, let's say I was in a, I was an entrepreneurial younger person and I hung around with a certain amount of people or a certain set of people that were kind of fucking aggro and try to want to be drug dealers and shit like that. I mean, one was a legitimate drug dealer, one, the other one was just kind of like fucking trying to do his best to cosplay one. Uh, but he was a gnarly dude. Like, he would fuck people up. He would, like, he, would, he, he was, like, he was, like, 6'2", but just, like, a fucking surly-looking little fuck. Chubby. He was a chubby guy, but he looked like he could beat your ass. So he would always start, like, he would, he would, he would always itch for a fight. He was one of those people that would, like, would never start a fight, but the moment he saw the aspects of a fight, he would jump in. So there was a hardcore show at Sunsplash, and I can't remember who we played because it was really my scene. I just kind of, to be honest, I was like 17, and I just wanted to go there to hang out with my friends and try to like talk to girls at the time. Um, and fucking, there there was this uh, group of people that would join uh, a mosh pit, and they were called. I want to say they were like called the Ninja Militia or some shit. They would always wear. They would bat. They were like black block before black block. Like they, they co-opted it for their own bullshit reasons. And I'm probably wrong about that. Black block was probably way before that. <laughs> but they would wear bandanas and shit and jump in the pit. And they were fucking aggro. So they would start swinging at people. They would hit people. They were like, I remember what started the, the monster. There was, uh, there was a girl that I'm fucking can't remember who it was, but. Uh, if she was a very, she was like five foot three, she was tiny and she was kind of like slam dancing and fucking going out. And this fucking dude, twice her size, just, just like runs up and rams her and she got fucked up. So homeboy, it's homeboy is just like ears perk up and jumps in and everyone starts fucking fighting each other because everyone got pissed. And started coming at the fucking ninja militia, and they were all like, "Oh no, that's the fucking you know, that's how you slam dance in fucking the Northeast." Like that fucking matters. Take your angelic up, starts bullshit and fucking eat shit. Um, and they it just became a fucking brawl. Like it, I think the show lasted like thirty minutes. Damn. <laughs> and like the cops came in and everyone had to like dip out and shit. It was. There, there's moments where it's it's kind of funny because it's like the thing that I've been noticing is that talking to like churches and stuff to try to book a show, there's always that hindrance of like, I almost have to kind of be like, yeah, but we're not going to get too crazy. And, yeah. then it's, and then it's like, but you say that and I, if there's that kind of, and I fucking love the community for that. If there's that like, you know, if there's a bad actor if you will, like, like, let's say some fucking guy who's trying to be, or here, I'll fashion, fashion punk. It was a guy who wear mohawk and shaftalis and just like try to start a, like, do some like weird fucking Steven Crowder intellectual bullshit, like debate me now on his right wing points. But at the end of the day, he would just start fucking insulting you just oh, yeah. to like get a while of. Yeah. So it's, it's like, I, I know those people, you know, they would fucking, take that shit out of here and fucking 
normally get it out, you know, and, and for the majority of the time, there's, it will be nonviolent. It will be just fucking shaming a person and just fucking getting them out of there. Um, but I worry about the couple of times where it does could get violent and because there's bad actors could also, you know, try to incite violence or something like that. And I get where some of those uh, things are, where those, some of those objective uh, objections, uh, objections are pointed to. And it's it's no fault um, to think that because it happens, you know, sometimes fisticuffs get, get thrown down. So it it's it's easier to do it in a place where if it's a pop up, it's it's almost better to kind of almost weed out those bad actors, because if it's if people in the community are there, then those actors don't know that it's not a place. And I think, you know, going back to again, we're just going to circle back to Ollie's. I think Ollie's finally getting to that place where it's. You know, it. Everyone knows what's up over there, and and if you're here to fucking shit on people and be a be a fucking asshole and be a dick and not not fucking respect someone's um right to fucking live their fucking life and eat shit, piss off. Yeah, and, it's it's kind of funny that that fashion punk guy you you talk told me about. He reminds me. Of this guy, I haven't been to open mic in a little while, so I don't know if he still attends, but there's this comedian. He looks and acts like he hasn't slept in 20 years, and he's a bit of an older guy. And, okay, most of his stuff isn't funny, it's the same jokes every week, but it's it's not really that offensive. But then at the end of every set, he's like, okay, so here's my joke about trans people. And I look over at Cody, and they're just like... Uh, and then it's just like some of the worst shit I ever heard. I'm like, how how has nobody cleaned this guy's clock yet? Yeah, it's one of those things where it's like fucking. I, I grew up watching John Stewart, and that's the thing that I always liked seeing. You know, people of, in positions of privilege not fucking punch down, just use it to try to lift people up. You know, and that that's just a fucking weird thing. I never get that, and that's why I think I got away from that comedy stuff, just because. there's just there's just so much punching down i just hate it yeah yeah it's the punching down that gets me because i think you could you can do definitely you know comedy in any form just in any art form you can explore deep fucking things but it's how you approach it it's the context that you put it in and if you're fucking punching down you're not really being insightful on it you're just kind of being a fucking old man on their fucking boards just being like, I don't like it. Back in my day, guys had penises, and we would suck each other off. Like, yeah, it's just that's weird. just the weird thing about comedy is, like, like, for example, like, my favorite comedian is Jim Jeffries, and he's an Australian bloke. And, I love um, And, like, his early stuff, it's, it's pretty fucked up. It, but yeah, well, uh, but but times times have changed, and I think he's changed with them. Like his most recent special, I don't really have any complaints with anything he said. I'm sure some people might, but that's just the nature of comedy. But in contrast, Dave Chappelle, I I used to think Dave Chappelle was yeah. one of the coolest dudes ever, but he's got so fucking obsessed with being transphobic, and he acts like he's the most wise person in the world for thinking that way. Like oh the me- oh everybody wants you to think this way but here's the way I see it and it's just like dude just you're rich you, you have every you have all the money you need just take your soapbox transphobic bullshit somewhere else and get it off my television screen. It is, 
Yeah, I, I I think there's in my head I feel like there's a certain amount of money when you just attain it, like a couple hundred million, where you just think you're the greatest thing ever. Like you yeah. made enough money, so you're just, that equals that you're like intelligent or some fucking shit. Yeah, like no, I'd be like you made some jokes and fucking deservedly so bitched about your Netflix deal, you know. But yeah, it, it's one of those things where it's. You can grow and you can be a cynic. And I've learned that growing up is that I can be a cynic about a lot of fucking things. And I and I, you know, I, I have my own taste and I'm very, very blatant about my own taste. But it doesn't mean that I need to shit on fucking people who like things or are enjoying it as long as they're not hurting anyone. You know, like, yeah, that's not and it's and not equating, you know, that to uh of fucking someone's you know identity uh but i i feel like there's it it's they get when you get fucking older and you get that rich you just become a fucking cold hard person that just lives in a fucking bubble and it's fucking disheartening because you could be Dave Chappelle could be someone like eddie izzard i love eddie izzard and eddie izzard was trying to find themselves in, in a lot of ways and they said some in their in a lot of earlier fucking specials there's a lot of like questionable shit they said but Eddie Izzard grew and fucking became just a delightful fucking human being, you know, that continually grows. And that's that's people that I fucking respect, you know, like someone who does something or attains something cool shit. You know, that's great. Leave that shit for SportsCenter. I'll watch an ESPN's classic for it. Someone who's growing and constantly changing, whether I like it or not, is something that is fucking should be respected and should be should be a goal to be attained like an idealized goal would be just you know fucking evolving as a as a person whether that be thoughts and i hate i hate that's been co-opted by the joe rogan crowd like yeah <laughs> really i, I hate like it that. so much i like, hate it so much like i'm not i'm obviously not a performer but like i'm the epitome of she let me I hit because i'm because i'm goofy in so. ways you are in ways, if you're if you're you're creating art behind that yeah. camera, you're performing in a sense. I just mean like I'm 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 I've been with girls way more attractive than me because I'm goofy and funny and shit. And uh, I I can say some like shocking stuff, but I think let me adjust this. It's clipping. But um, but to me, being funny is never about. Let me just say the most homophobic, racist, sexist, transphobic shit I can think of. It's making fun of myself or making fun of a situation or something. And I think just the way the culture has became so much about shock value and sound bites, it's kind of sterilized comedy into, let's just say, the most fucked up shit ever and get in the news and the people that, that agree with what I'm saying will like and people that don't will hate me. And that's just, I don't know, I think it's fucking stupid. Yeah, I fucking, I hate it. And it's a bastardization of a fucking uh, ideal that I hold dearly. And that's, I don't, I want to say it was Ginsburg or Ferlinghetti. I hope it's Ferlinghetti because Ferlinghetti's the shit. I love Ferlinghetti. Um, that it, the saying is, you know, I, I don't know if it's a Buddhist mantra they just aped off of it, but um, nothing is sacred, but everything is holy. As in, like, you should, you should talk about possible taboo things but you should do it with a fucking earnest contextual respect to it that you're not fucking it's basically just don't fucking punch down you know like and and they ate that fucking 
thought to be like, oh, well, as long as we, you know, say we're learning new things, we can just fucking shit. It's that intellectual dark web shit that I can't fucking understand because the moment... It's like the effect that 4chan has had on culture where being an edgelord is the coolest thing ever. It is. Sometimes I fucking am so happy that I'm like this whole... Because, like, I had MySpace and now I'm just like, I'm done. I'm I, I'm good. Like, fucking TikTok annoys me. Instagram, I'm rarely on. Uh, like, I'm a Facebook person now and I hate it. <laughs> but... <laughs> It's like the main communication that I have now if it's going to go on that social media, if I'm going to go on that weird echo box. But I know now, like, seeing the context of everything beforehand and what can be said, because, like, I I grew up in the fucking South and I, I wanted to be validated. So there's a lot of fucking... And I grew up in a with a very machismo, uh, macho dad um, on his thoughts on women. So, you know, I... I am Catholic, so I was raised Catholic, so hey, there's a lot of things that were I grew up with and said when it, that were fucking idiotic, but I got to learn by experiencing other people and, and going through that that process of kind of being like, no, you're stupid. That's fucking, that's it, that's, that sounds dumb. Maybe you should change it up, and, it, and here's the reasons why. And I think a lot of those people just want that kind of weird like pat on the back echo chamber where it's just like i say this and i and everyone gives me a back and it, that that's just fucking boring and it's kind of sad you know like i feel falling and getting up it's like dating it's like if you fall and you get up that's the fucking part of learning a trick and that's the excitement learning and and, and going through the process of, of figuring something out that's fucking rad sitting in a stasis chamber kind of doing being static all the time and saying you know these definitive binary fucking things fucking boring life yeah i i totally get that and one thing i was thinking too um when it comes to comedy somebody like let's say gabriel iglesias and you're probably gonna i since you're like an actual like comedy lover you're probably gonna be like uh but like the no, thing is fluffy. <laughs> oh, you do, you do love Fluffy? Yeah, I, I love, love Fluffy too. It's just like he's a wrestling nerd, so he's got he's got points for me. <laughs> yeah, like even you can go to his first special. Like he makes jokes about being overweight. He makes jokes about being Mexican, which he can do because he's Mexican, and he can. And he makes jokes about situations that he finds himself in with his friends and shit. He he doesn't talk about how much he hates gay people or trans folk or women or this that or the other he talks about situations with his stepson like you know it's just people have this weird like and it's it's almost to the point where it's family friendly in some places which i i also don't think is a bad thing like there has to be some comedy that pushes the boundary and makes you think but there's nothing wrong with having a comedy special you can watch with your kids i agree and it's it there's nothing wrong with it i remember my dad would like uh, I hate saying it now, but I grew up listening, watching Bill Cosby specials and just hearing kind of like those relatable stories of the neighborhood because I was a kid in the neighborhood and I had friends that we would play sports and like build forts and shit like that. So it was, you know, it was a, it was a fucking having something relatable like that. That's, that's nothing wrong. Everyone wants that. I, and I think, you know, the problem is, is that George Carlin is treated like the Constitution, kind of, where there's people who are like, no, it's it. You can change the text, and there's people that are like, nope, it's originalist. 
We're going back to the 1770s. Fucking slavery is rad. Hooray. And it's kind of like, you know, Carlin, the beauty of Carlin is that even though he was, his, his jokes were pointed and angry, they were always at people of positions of power. They were always in structured in a relatable way. Like he wasn't talking from a position of like, you know, I'm smarter than you. It's just, did you, have you ever noticed this? And I, 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 and it's, and it's almost like the beauty of that in a linguistic way is like you, you immediately, especially in any type of storytelling, you immediately grab the audience member and you relate to them. You go, I am not your, your superior. I am your equal. So let's relate to this. Look into my eyes and I'll look into your eyes and we'll see the same problem. And we'll go and we'll fucking make jokes about it. Or we'll make fucking uh, like, you know, art. <laughs> so, and I think with people, the people that take Carlin in the sense of like, oh, he was just angry and he was angry at everything and his observations were angry, don't fucking get Carlin at all. They don't, they don't understand how the joke is, it's the, the premise of every joke of Carlin, it's us against them. It's, yeah. it's the people, it's just the powerful. Yeah, I think that's that concept you're talking about in terms of punching down and having empathy and respect for whatever situation you discuss and not just seeing hatefulness instead of hatefulness within context kind of leads into the next thing I want to talk about. So after you returned from your break, we before we started recording again, we kind of talked about politics and the gubernatorial debate and i think you have a pretty cool perspective as somebody who's kind of been down in florida been down in the swamp for many years and you've seen things slowly change into the way they are now um what what are your thoughts on what's been going on lately i I mean at least since post-pandemic let's say let's say post-pandemic i'm gonna say post-ian is the tragedy of the fucking Florida is is designed and built by real estate developers, and the problem is that uh, I have to get my soapbox is that we're destroying our fucking ecology that protects us to to develop bigger sea sea walls that will break by the next category five hurricane. I'm going to assume uh, crappy hotels on the on you know we're we're developing these we it's like a it's we have such a beautiful fucking land that is just ruined by these assholes. And we can develop it with proper city planning and better fucking areas. Like, it's it's insanity. And it kind of, and in that structure, because a lot of this in the house, I think, in, even going to the scene, the crux of this podcast is that the structures above us tend to be against us. And that even down to how a city is planned and zoned and and permitted and how businesses are permitted can be a hassle and and to see like to see Ron DeSantis's fucking congratulation tour after a fucking after a hurricane is when when Cape Coral still looks like absolute shit and there's fucking trash and rubble everywhere. I I was talking to Jamie earlier, my girlfriend, who's fucking also just mad props to her because she's my support. She's the she's the reason why I'm able to fucking do what I can do. And and do it in a in a fucking level headed manner too, without going too crazy and and, and manic pixie boy. Uh, but 
she like I asked her I was like do you remember like because I was seeing it and I'm just like do you remember when George Bush like landed the aircraft during like six months into the Iraq war and just was like mission accomplished it feels a lot like this yeah <laughs> I mean I wasn't around for that but like I, I know the context yeah I'm a, I'm a I'm a 9-11 baby so that is and I was I had family up and like I think anyone who was born in the northeast at a certain time has that kind of like wariness almost like kind of cynicism from like politicians doing that shit and it's a playbook that they use you know it's it's a uh, naomi klein has an amazing book called the shock doctrine where she uh she she takes basically milton friedman's kind of mo that reagan and even before that uh nixon was using in south american countries and it's basically like you you go into a fucking place that is having a civil war or having some instability. You blow it up. You you kind of parade yourself around and say this is how it's going to get better. You implement fucking shitty policies, and we're already seeing this with with the Elon Musk deal, which is insane. The Starlink deal that has nothing has really brought up a two two city services. Um, or city services. Um, you see that in the fucking the the donate the five million dollar deductible uh, thing uh, fund that um, DeSantis allowed. When you drill a little bit deeper into that, you there's it's PPP loans all over again, where it's not a lot of oversight and it's kind of like freewheeling and dealing. Like just God, I fucking hate that prick with my entire heart. It is it. it so you see these kind of like it, and the thing that kills me and and I like from spending time doing work, um, doing, I don't know, like fucking toot my own horn. I hate it. Doing community work. I'll just put it like that. A lot of donations and, and a lot of like, it's, you know, at this point, it's great to see like people still donating cans of food and like clothing. And there's still a need for that. And especially baby, like baby products are just a huge need. Um, but a lot of it is the like seeing these people that are affluent that are still doing that and they're not giving, you know, money <laughs> to yeah. the people that kind of need it. And that's or, that's what's gonna rebuild someone's life right now. Like and that's the thing too, is you'll see like these rich people bringing in like boxes of pizza or big boxes of cans of food, but it's like it's the lower middle class people that are actually donating to these funds. Yeah, and the it, way that and the way that they're appropriating these funds through DeSantis is to go to businesses to rebuild or whatever. But the but okay, I I need to go on a little bit of a rant. So I'm not sure how correct this is, but in my opinion, from my experiences on Sanibel, I don't believe Sanibel should have ever been incorporated as a township and per se. I ooh, think. That's a hot take. I think it should have been kept public land as a beach because it is a barrier island meant to prov to protect during a storm. And what's fucked up about it is that so you have these rich people with these big mansions for winter homes or whatever. Those people they're they are r r drying off their tears with $100 bills. Okay, like it's whatever. Yeah. But it's the people that, let's say, came down here with, like, their parents came down here 50 years ago when it was cheap to live there or whatever, or 60 or 70 years ago, whatever it was. 
and then like they lived here and they lived here those are people that are getting fucked over who may not necessarily have very much so it's pretty much like the hurricanes go basically price out anybody who does who doesn't have nine figures in their bank account or eight figures or whatever and I think that's really fucked up. And I think you could say the same thing about Fort Myers Beach, even like that might be a very hot take. It's just I don't know. I think I think certain lands were meant to have a specific use. And I think trying to inhabit certain things like I think Fort Myers Beach makes a little bit more sense just because of how close it is. But Sanibel, like you have to drive a pretty damn far ways to even get there. Like Fort Myers oh, Beach, yeah. I could at least say at least. I think a good solution for Fort Myers Beach would the left side, like the west side of the road, keep it completely beaches, no hotels, nothing. Put some seawalls up, yada yada yada. The right side have residential housing, restaurants, whatever. Like I think that's a good compromise. But Sanibel, I honestly, Sanibel, Captiva, maybe even Pine Island. I mean, Pine Island does have a lot of use. Like they have like palm tree farms and stuff like that. Like that has a lot of good use. But like Sanibel, I just. I, like even when I went there all the time, like Captiva used to be my favorite beach in the entire world. Like it's so fucking beautiful. But even then, yeah. I was like, if this gets hit by a hurricane, like most of it's gonna be gone. It is, yeah. And I think it's it's the unfortunate thing is that the like it's so. I wish we can just go back in time and tell and just stop this from happening, or at least yeah. have a little bit more forethought when finding out a town. Um, because I, I, you're right. There is truth to what you're saying. Like I, the problem if, that started kind of a little bit of all this is this Ayn Randian hubris of man versus nature and man fucking conquering nature and shaping it in its manly man hands. And that's fucking dumb. You know, nature's. I, I mean, when you think about like Florida, like if you're going to go by based off of like what evolution is telling us. We have fucking alligators. We have like twenty foot snakes. We have panthers. We oh, have all kinds of great. We have bears. So keep like, in mind that those are not natural. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, still, but like I'm saying, like we have all, and we have the heat. We have the swamps. We have like tides washing away beaches. Like all these signs are telling us that we're really not supposed to be here. At least, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, At least that's what I've I've saw. From what what I've seen, at least it I don't makes know. You think like why would anyone live in Australia as well? <laughs> you have great. Yeah, like, like I remember <laughs> seeing like this post where it's like this like sp the Spanish settler in the 1700s. Like it is, it is of my opinion that Spain or no other country should ever settle in this shithole because there are treacherous terrors beyond my imagination lurking that will attempt to kill us and get us off this land. And then people just were like, paradise and yeah. fucking let's, let's tour of it. Like, that's, that's my least. Cape Coral is so fucking boring. All it is is beige and white everywhere. Not even beach white, just beige strip malls and strip malls and strip malls and Publixes. Like, there's no culture, there's no charm, there's no. Like, and that's the thing. It, it comes down to like the development. You, the, the, the problem is it's always going to happen is that property taxes are going to be reigning king. So whoever, and I'm not, time to get on my soapbox for the fucking X amount of times as of now, but a lot of things comes down to like 
voting for your city council. Yeah. Figuring out, and it sucks because when you're getting down to that kind of micro uh, politics, it's harder to study who, who you're – it's easier to study someone who's running for senator than who no, – No, I mean – I mean, like, shit, like, it should go even further than that. Like, vote for your mayor, vote for who's on their school board, because – Whoever's on your school board is influencing the policies that are going to affect the way your kids see the world and other people's kids see the world, too. And that's going to yeah, affect the person they turn into. And, like, like at Ollie's at the Bands for Our Bodies, they had a somebody running for Congresswoman, right? Um, oh, yeah, uh, Cindy Bonnie. She's she's good. Yeah. People. Yeah, I, I'm definitely going to vote for her whenever I'm able to. Um, yeah, I trust like, you. Like, I, it's just, I definitely... And this is something I need to improve on, because easy for me to go in my soapbox be like, Go to political events, go go meet these people, yada, yada, yada. But, I mean, it really is, like, you should be going to debates, you should be going to city, city council meetings, you should be, if so, if somebody you're interested in voting for is speaking, go hear them out, go have an actual conversation, because it's easy to write Facebook posts about, here are all the things I'm going to do, and then when they're finally tasked with ask, like answering questions, or like, and I saw Charlie Chris do it tonight, I, I honestly don't like him either, but he's 20 times better than Santa's. Charlie Chris was like, oh... I like abortion, and Ron DeSantis doesn't. Like, just dumb bullshit answers like that. And I'm going to pull it back there, because this is something, and I, and I don't want to give mad respect to a lot of the fucking people um, that I've got to meet, whether that be through processing or local politics, whether that be like Chantel Rose or Deb Hopkins. Much respect, St. Deb Hopkins. That lady is like 70 and protests every fucking day. Uh, uh, Crystal Dawn, or Dawn, um, fucking Cat Dasta House, like those types of cats that they've always, when they talk about, and it's something that I've learned myself throughout the years, is they talk about burnout and they talk about, you know, it's good to take a mental me time. And politics is such a personal thing. And it, and especially getting into that resource, it's hard to like, it's easy to say, you know, meet someone, da 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 da, do X amount. And, be an engaged citizen and that's the ideal but that's easier said than done sometimes for some people like if someone you know you don't know if someone has a kid or if they're working two jobs it tends to be a little bit harder but the main point is that we need to push people who want to be those outlets of information that can spread that because we have those tools now you like you said it's easier said to be post on social media about politics about whatever then let's use that tool to promote local politics. And I think, I think there's great work that's done by the news press, and there's there's some few publications that cover local politics. But there's, I wish there was a more of a hub of like pol like local politics around here that go you know do, is that one person that goes to city town hall meetings and then kind of reads down everything and does it and. I wouldn't say objectively. Objective journalism is kind of a fallacy. Yeah, that, but that, that's that's not possible. Yeah, it's not possible, but in the least biased way possible, like in an AP fucking format, you know? Like, like, like hell, like, even, even if you just have to write down a transcript and not even give your thoughts on it or any summarization, like, exactly. that's at least something. Exactly, and unfortunately, there is a, you know, the, the one publication that we have in this area is still kind of standing on its own two legs, uh, but not by much. <laughs> But, if, like, but we don't have a, we don't we only have one now. We only have one paper that we can really and then what? We have Wink News and it's always you know whatever the cops say to the fucking reporters. No. Nah, yeah. I mean, I, all, all the 
in my opinion, all the news stations down here are absolute garbage. Like, when I started hearing the way that the interviewer at this gubernatorial um, debate was, like, talking to DeSantis versus Chris, I'm like, holy fuck, we're, we're just completely screwed, because she was like, truly Chris, yada, 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 and then, hi, Ron DeSantis, so, like, you've done such a great job. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about how awesome of a job you've been doing and why everybody wants to live here? Like, it's just, like, such biased journalism, and it makes my fucking head hurt. But let me let me go on a tangent real quick, um, because something you said really spoke to me about not getting burnt out, because, to preface, I went to a Lutheran school in high school and elementary school, so I have been pretty, trying to think of the word for it, groomed to be a conservative in a lot of ways. And then whenever I went to school in downtown Chicago, I kind of saw, oh, this is the way the world actually works. And then I started taking mm-hmm. economics courses. And I'm like, oh, this is the way the world actually works. And then like, um, then I actually gained empathy for my fellow humans. And um, I got really into politics. Like, it just kind of consumed me over time. It kind of lasted until just like a few months ago. Like... Uh, sorry, a couple months ago or a few months ago, my mental health has just been in the gutter. And like I I was in the hospital. I did this, that and the other. Or I've been super busy working a full time job and doing this, that and the other. And I, I felt like shit for a long time. Like there are there are minorities and people who are struggling right now. And I'm I'm just showing myself off from these struggles because my life is a little too hard. And that's kind of something easy to get sucked into like this is something you have to do but like you just you have to take care of yourself like you can't take care of everybody else in the world until you take care of yourself so i get what you're saying is what i was trying to say no no i completely agree and i'm I'm happy you're you're getting to that because um i i i know that feeling all too well like it's it's not even burnout i mean some like i have i have bipolar b which is is basically Every once in a while, I will get in kind of like depressive, paranoid, kind of like very everything is overwhelming. Everything is super emotions. The high yeah, highs, too, the yeah. they're fucking crazy. And yep. it's it, huh? Oh yeah, me too. Oh yeah, yeah. So we're <laughs> we're bipolar brothers. Yay! Yeah. But you know how it goes. Like some some days they'll just wake up and everything's off, and everything just feels like it's fucking just too much. And sometimes I, especially you know, now that I've gone starting to become better with my mental health and trying to get therapy and taking moments of, and this is something like Jamie has been so fucking good about, and she has been like a fucking rock with me for that. Cause it's hard, like being being that type of person and being around that is kind of difficult because you can't really communicate. It's hard to communicate, you know. Like I'm a very, for I love words and stuff, and it kills me to have those moments where I can't form a fucking sentence because that's my fucking like passion is to like. Oh yeah, that's that's the truth right there. Is like yeah. when you're slow with mental health, like oftentimes, like I don't know. There's this lyric I like from Sonic Plant. Let me look it up exactly what it is. I know this isn't really your genre, but... Um, <laughs> I'll still appreciate it. I'll hear it out. It's, I try to speak, but some thoughts are too loud for words. My lungs collapse into the cadence of the earth. 
so like that's just that really spoke to me because like sometimes your mind is just so loud to where you can't even like form a coherent like sentence of like what you're feeling just because you're just feeling so much all at once and that's just that's just how it is like that's something i've been struggling with recently is that i've just been going through a lot and i just haven't wanted to do photography at all and that's probably like the first time i've even talked about it and i went did pickle fest last weekend over at the vault and like after shooting just one band i wanted to go home and i had to shoot 13 more and yeah and just you know it's really hard to like I guess what I'm trying to say is really hard to kind of like when you're dealing with mental health to try to beat everything all at once. And we're kind of getting into like the mental health part that I talk about nearly every episode where it gets super deep. But, you know, I think people need to hear it, like what it's actually like, because they they can relate to it or they can know what it's like if they don't relate to it. So, like, I just because, you know, I'm sure you get it. There's a lot expected of us as people. For me, people expect me to go to their shows and provide them good pictures. My mom expects me to do certain things around the house. My puppy expects me to work to wake up at a certain time. Um, I'm expected to create these episodes of the podcast at least every once in a while. I'm expected to maintain friendships. I'm expected to not maintain certain friendships. And, you know, it's... And there are days when... All you can feel is how many expectations you have, people have of you, and trying to to meet those expectations, and then you just want to cocoon into into like a a corner of a room and just not do anything for weeks, and that's just like that's how it becomes really hard to like be politically active when like you're struggling to just get through your nine to five. Exactly, and sometimes you have to take a time for yourself, and I like I want to give you a fucking hug for saying that because that was so spot on, like. I also feel like I I always like used to think that like I was a bad friend because I would never like communicate as well like I would never like I was never like the hangout all the time person I was when I was younger but now I'm kind of like a little more private sometimes I just want to play a video game or read a book or just kind of like work on a piece of writing or something and those expectations like you said muting those expectations is such a huge thing because in the reality it's like they're not really true. Like I can go to any of my friends and I really like just so glad I have a support group that I have now, especially with Jamie, uh, Sean, Cody, Skylar, Lita and all them. They're like people who can check me when I need to be checked and people who can listen when I need to be listened to. And it's, yeah. and, and that's, that's, that's a really big part uh, for your mental health. It's not only the work that you can do for yourself, whether that be trying to objectively, because I do a lot of pros and cons. So if I get into like a fucking weird state of mind, I I try to like name everything like facts in my head, like because I I grew up reading philosophy, <laughs> so I have to break it down to a philosophical proof. You see, so I have to do my axioms. So I say, you know, like, you know, if I feel like someone is being kind of like ill towards me, I I start naming everything that they've done beforehand and i realized they've actually been a really great person so why the fuck is my head thinking these paranoid fucking thoughts so it's things like that that have been really helpful but having that support system and having those groups of people that you can be open and honest to 
uh, with especially with your mental health because it's such a big thing about you know key in any relationship communication is key and not only communication the context that you communicate into something that i'm learning myself it's like that's a thing that's easier said than done but learning that process is fucking great and 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 having people around you that are willing to take time and and grow with you is bar none like the greatest feeling and i think that's a thing that i would love to share in a community and i feel like a lot of the places and a lot of things that are going on that's that's where that ball is rolling because even in the skate scene there was always bad elements as you would say there was you know your misogyny your homophobia your racism like that fucking shit that would turn me off or i would be like i have you know you know fucking choices i'm 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 feeling a guy but if i say that in front of those guys at the skate park i'm fucking done you know yeah and i wasn't i didn't feel comfortable or, or you know i wanted to have a different idea it's like have, being a, the ability to express yourself in that way is is something that should be cherished and if it's honest and it doesn't hurt anyone if it's some if it's not unkind if it's not punching down anyone it should never be fucking felt and I, I i hope and i really am inspired by what the people not only uh, people around me the people that i don't even fucking know that are doing stuff like that uh are pushing that it's it's a more open and honest scene and it's a more like more more growth inducing scene yeah and that's when it comes to mental health, I think it's great that there's more awareness to it and there are more resources. But I also think, and this can apply to neurodivergent people in general, I think there is still a major lack of empathy just toward the average person, I'd say. Like, people tend to paint people into a box based on their worst moments, but they may not yeah. realize, like, okay, let's say for whatever reason, I spazzed out or I was rude and somebody approached me at an Ollie show and they think I'm just the biggest piece of shit ever or I'm too big for my britches or this, that, or the other. And, um... But they didn't realize that, let's say, that morning it took me seven hours to get out of bed. Like, it's just... You know, like, I think... I think if we... This is very idealistic and very pie-in-the-sky, but I think if we start... Trying to think of the best way to to take you, you know how you have sometimes people say stuff, especially since you're like bipolar, you can take that and twist that into a negative thing very yeah, easily. Yeah. I think if we as a people and as neurodivergence or neurotypicals start taking people's words and trying to do a better job contextualizing what they say or what they do and paying them in a good light. I mean, obviously, if you say some fuck shit or do some fuck shit, you deserve to get your shit rocked. But, um... But, you know, just, like, trying to see the good in somebody instead of always trying to see the bad is something that I think would make everybody's mental health journey a lot easier. Yeah, and I think... I agree wholeheartedly. Like, and there's also, you know, even, like, the fuck shit get rocked. I agree, but it's also, like, the intent, because, like, growing up yeah. here... And and growing up with like like my name is Pedro and I sound like this you know I yeah. had I had to change my identity to kind of like 
be able to kind of economically fucking grow as a human or and it, it helped me like i'm it when it comes to like in, in latin privilege i'm fucking pretty privileged as a spanish guy because i'm a pretty light-skinned spanish guy and i sound like this you know like i can get away with a lot of shit <laughs> when it comes to like going to court or things like that and i get i get more opportunities than i thought i would if i play up the kind of whiteness side of me and that was kind of fucked up and, and in a lot of ways that fucked my head up growing up it really fucking like there's parts of me that that it, it fucking bothered me and the funny thing is is that i've learned uh some people or some people or will just are fucking brutally fucking mean people under or in their intent or is mean and some people are just ignorant and they just need to learn you know it's a, it's a saying like uh don't Ah, oh, god damn it, I forgot what the saying is. Uh don't 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 exploit or don't push away the people that you can educate, that type of thing. Yeah, deal. yeah. Yeah, um, I think absolutely that's not not to interrupt and go on a tangent, but I'm gonna but um yeah. I, I I'm definitely I definitely don't want both sides this argument, but we talk a lot about how fucked up like the right wing shit can go. But I honestly yeah. think I I I assume from what I know about you, you're a fellow leftist or not a right winger or whatever. No, I'm secret. Actually, the great. I'm a secretly anarcho-capitalist. Bitcoin, baby. No, I'm, yeah. yeah, I'm like I'm like anarcho-syndicalist now at this point. I was I was a DSA type of person a few years ago, but then I started reading Bookchin, and I was yeah. like, yeah, that sounds like a better idea. But like, I think the people that are like the progressives and the people that are trying to make change i think something we can do better is obviously some people deserve to be called racist piece of shit or sexist pieces of shit or transphobic pieces of shit or this that or the other but there are also some people who just may not know better and may need yeah. somebody to 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 lend a helping hand and show them like hey this is what i've been through so when you say something like that that actually really upsets me and then that person might be like, oh, shit, I had no idea. That's just the way I was raised. So, like, that might be a very ideal way of viewing things. But I'd, I'd rather go through life being an idealist and trying to strive towards that ideals instead of being apathetic and pushing everybody away that doesn't agree with me. Completely agree. I mean, I used to joke around, like, I can I understand why someone would want to be a conservative. If, if, if you're fucking grow up in the status quo and the status quo is good for you you kind of be in that fucking bubble so yeah. and and that happens in a lot of things like for instance i was you know talking about religion i was raised roman catholic to the point that i went to seven-year school i thought i was going to be a fucking priest for a little bit yeah me too. at least a lutheran priest yeah 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 i was i was just like i can't have sex and do drugs i mean i can do drugs but this doesn't sound like my jam and it's and hearing and what i loved about theology was more like the scene Aquinas type of kind of pondering of like what is good, what is bad. These kind of like more universal truths rather than like let's study about Leviticus and the like. I've, I never really cared for the liturgy too much. I've always enjoyed the philosophical aspects of it. One um, thing, um, not to interrupt you. I'm sorry, oh yeah. I keep doing it. But the coolest thing is that I went to my freshman year of college at Loyola Chicago. 
and it just kind of changed my entire view of the world, which I can thank that for. I hate it. I hate Loyal Chicago for a myriad of other reasons, but the professors were just amazing. And the biggest one I think had the biggest impact was my Christian theology teacher my freshman year because I had been used to. I had been used to my entire school life. Okay, this is the way. It is because this is the way the Bible says it is. This is the way the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod says it is. So this is the way it is. Whereas this guy, I think his name was Cameron Ferguson. He said um, he taught us to critically think about each thing of the Bible and all the different theories and what each theory may mean in the grand context of things and to challenge what you what your preconceived notions are about Christianity and why you feel that way. And that's actually how I found out that I'm more so agnostic than Christian. Right. Because I, I believe I, I believe that we are here for a reason, but I don't necessarily know if that reason is found with an organized religion. Yeah, that's that's fucking bro. That sounds like a, a lot of those postmodern theologians that kind of like brought that type of thinking into it. I fucking dig that. I agree. It's that's that's why I find myself more of a humanist um, now, where it's just like. It, I guess it's more agnostic, but it's like, look, they're all stories. They're all they're all parables. Some some parables are older and don't need to be said, and some some are actually great. Like, I still I, think like, if if I read the 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 petific, you know, the Sermon on the Mount, that shit fucking makes me tear up. You know, like, that's still, there's there's still a, a, a truth that I that I I feel that, but I feel the same way if I'm reading the Bhagavad Gita, or I feel the same way if I'm reading like the uh that way you know like those things always kind of circle around and and kind of give you a little bit of insight into the human condition and i mean like you said oh when we were talking about like growing up and, and being in a bubble like i was raised Roman catholic i i was very homophobic when i was raised when i was growing up and until i went to high school and i until i went to and i got cast into a play and i got to meet my first queer people, you know, it was Justin and, um, I can't remember his name. I feel so bad. I want to say Brian, <laughs> I want to say Brian, but they were, they were fucking, they opened up my eyes and I, and like, I was just sitting there going like all the shit that was told in, in Sunday school and in church was completely horseshit. So what other fucking bullshit are they fucking selling me on? And around that time, my dad gave me, he, like, I, I was like turning 16 and he's like, you're old enough to start reading like big boy books. So he gave me uh, the Antichrist by Nietzsche, which for oh, all shit. its really anti-Semitic fucking bullshit, because at some point he starts going on, when he gets onto the plutocracy, it gets kind of weird. And I think that's more Nietzsche's sister doing that shit. But I mean, the crux of it is literally just going like, when you're reading the liturgy, think, and, and just like you're reading any type of text, think critically about it. Think about the context of that it's being said. And and if you think of it like that, it's a it's a way more enlightening read, and it, and it kind of frees you from those fucking dogmatic shackles that organized religion tends to put on people that you have to be A B C and D, and rather you could go there's an open world of possibility now when it comes to like how how to understand people or how to understand basic emotions and 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 that kind of you know like I never want to talk shit about faith because faith is such a fucking strong thing. And it, it's a tool. It can be used in, in a great, amazing way. It can be used for people to get over drugs or to, you know, 
support their fellow man like Jimmy Carter does in his 80, 80s fucking building houses. Or it can be used like Creslo Dollar or fucking all the other shitheads. I can't remember the, the, the guy with the wavy hair and the disgusting smile in Texas, where it's just... Joel Austin or whatever? Yeah, yeah, fuck that guy. Uh, <laughs> to just like use it against people and it it, it sucks and it, it gives a lot of a bad rap because i know a lot of friends that are religious and are very very caring people and yeah. they don't they don't hold to the dogma they they just use it to be like hey this is what i believe in and it gives me a little bit of fucking extra in life to kind of push myself up do, do you no want to hear a that. really radical take that's gonna piss off a lot of people that know me uh-oh yeah let's do a hot takes I believe I'll, I'll do a hot take. I'll do a hot take, and I think I'm gonna piss a lot of people that go to my to shows that I book. I believe that privatized schools should not be a thing, at least when it comes I, to the child age level. I believe. 100%. I believe that everybody should have the same schooling, and I believe that if. These rich families couldn't send their kids off to a private school, the standard of public schools, which are accessible to the poorest kid on the block and the richest kid in the neighborhood in the whole city would be the same. And I think I think that's something to strive for, because honestly, my experience as going to Christian schools was looking back, they spent so much time trying to bash into our head. This is real. This is why this is real. This is why you should think that way. That's not faith. That's grooming. That's predatory. Yeah, that's, it's, it's the indoctrination. indoctrination it's, it's indoctrination. Yeah, it's yeah. it's fucked up. It's because if you have to pretty much brainwash somebody into believing what you believe, that says a lot about what you believe, to be honest. Like, I yeah. think there should still be options, per se, like if you want your kid to go to an after school program, maybe... Maybe that's something you can do and pay for, and you know, maybe they'll make it a little bit more expensive to get extra schooling. But, but, I, but kids don't do percent of the time, so like, I think a kid should have the right to know about evolution, I think a kid should have the right to know about birth control, I think a kid should have the right to know about their basic biology. Because, dog, I had to look up the female anatomy on Google before the first time I gave a head. Yeah, it was TLC before the internet for me. I, I knew more about sex from fucking uh, cable TV than what they taught me in school. Yeah, I just think it's... And then that's, <laughs> then I went to private college and got myself into debt. But, but like, I just think... Because, like, my mom grew up in East St. Louis without... And her mom didn't have a dime to her name. And her, her mom didn't have a dime to her name. But just because my wife was a little bit better, and I didn't have to have a sink, struggles i grew up thinking oh poor people chose to be poor and this is the way it should be economics is like an, arist an aristocracy and and all kinds of bullshit like that but maybe if i went into public i would have seen like oh shit like i'm not yeah. better than anybody else yeah and it, I, I think being able to meet a diverse crowd it, it makes you fucking smarter as a person not to mention like you do kind of end up realizing when people talk about like you know making school like equitable for all and and equal, it's just starting off. It's a starting off point. Like those tools should be available for everyone. It's the lie. Like there used to be a 
uh, uh, writer in the 20s, Horatio Algier. Um, he's if you if you're really into um, fucking Hunter S. Thompson, he quotes him all the time. He's just like Horatio Algier's wet dream. But Horatio Algier would write those fucking. He's the guy who coined "pull yourself in the bootstraps." You know, the penny. You know, he was the one who started that kind of almost propaganda of like you can you can go from rags to riches. And the the problem is is that you can, but there's so many fucking hurdles to go over. And it's great to have that once in a while, but that seems like if I was a baseball player and my my I, and my fucking batting average was the amount of rags to riches stories that you can tell, like it's it's like hearing Silicon Valley people like, oh, you know, Facebook went big, but think about all the other companies that went fucking under because of the monopoly they fucking created. Um, I would be the worst baseball fucking hitter ever created. I'd be batting very low, and. It's a, I just it's it's infuriating hearing people and a lot of and the, the biggest thing is a lot of these people that fucking and I've learned this from going to the fucking uh, Department of uh, Education, the Lee County Education Board meetings is that they're not really pushing. They'll say whatever crazy bullshit they want about masks or kids who want to fucking shit in kitty litters like that's a like a like a real story or whatever. Just because some kid that wears fucking cat ears, they're worried they're gonna shit in a litter box. Uh, that Dog, the if, 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 if they make, I'm talking still about adults here, but if they make being a cat girl illegal, I'm leaving the United States. Right? <laughs> it's insane, like these kind of like leaps of logic. And at the end of the day, it's all about trying to push the school choice of like, I want to send my kids to like, these weird it's it's anytime you hear people talk about neighborhood and schools you will hear very clear keywords i don't want to live in this type of neighborhood because x y and z and it, it what infuriates me is that uh, like i maybe that's the lehigh in me i grew maybe it's the the reason why like i'm fucking very proud of lehigh for hurricane ian way to go lehigh food truck you made me proud to come from that place my adopted hometown also side note I just want to make this clear on this podcast that uh, since there is no poet laureate or philosopher king of Lehigh, I'm taking those two titles. Those are mine now. Um, I mean, I don't see any objectors around us. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you so much. I'm now the poet laureate philosopher king of Lehigh Acres. But it, it's something that builds up is that I, there's nothing wrong with that entrepreneur of spirit. Like doing it yourself, that's fucking punk as shit. But how it got co-opted by almost like fucking corporatization is just disgusting. And the you see these people who do strive and scratch and fucking put every penny into their passion. And there's people, there's other people that will fucking give them breaks because, I don't know, they're a Boston former Boston Red Sox player that owns a fucking amusement park. You know, it, it shouldn't be the greasing of hands. It should be that if you have a clear idea and if you have a passion and if you have a plan in place, then you should be fucking supported by the community rather than you have to fucking jerk off and hobnob with these assholes. And, and it's something that bothers me about patronage and the kind of artistic patronage when it comes to the, and I, and I feel bad when I say it because there's a lot of people that I know that 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 get supported by that, 
but it feels weird to me and it, it, it just doesn't feel right to me because it's my own personal opinion here is that, you know, like these kind of rich people owning galleries and stuff like that kind of partaking like this, this type of patronage to artists that at the end of the day is almost performative. It's, it's them wanting to say to their friends afterwards that they do something nice. And it's not, yeah, I, I just think it's fucked up because so many artists are working class people like boomers right. and gen X's like to think of artists as kids that suckle off their parents tea and yada, yada, yada. But you know, there are, most artists are just people that went to art school and they're trying to do what they love for a living. And I think there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Those are the people, the same people that tout the American dream. For many people, the American dream is being a successful artist someday, somehow. And yeah. to have that, the work, I, I'm trying to think of the best way to say this. For the, I think this, the way that in order to be successful as an artist is for somebody way richer than you to purchase your work is kind of fucked up. Yeah, and it's and this is no fault to any of the artists that have. Yeah, absolutely. I just think it's fucked up the culture. The yeah, that's and that's what bothers me is the culture because to me, it, it, you know, maybe it's a little too fucking commie to say, but I feel like art should be supported by the public and shared yeah. by the public, and 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 that. And like it reminds me of when I was like when I was a kid, I was a fucking asshole. I was a I was a kid who didn't know what was going on in his head, didn't know, you know, their fucking identity correctly. <laughs> you know, I, I didn't know I was pan at the time, so in fact I was like, oh. So I was a bully, fucking narcissistic hipster asshole who would hold on to these like little pieces of art, or if I create, and I still to this day like if I if I write or if I make painting. I don't like hanging. I don't like sharing it. It's just weird. <laughs> I'm still, I'm still trying to overcome that one of these days. But, um, uh, but to to like holding that and saying you're special because you have this one piece of thing, it's a lonely fucking experience. Because the the beauty of it is grabbing, like finding that piece of art that someone may have not have have not you know gotten into or you know maybe it was just too obscure or something like that you know sharing that to the fucking people and being like hey look this is rad and if you want to check it out and if you like it fucking rad i'm glad this can be because that 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 creates more that creates a, a dialogue that creates ideas that creates action after that so you know that kind of fucking almost isolationist kind of art collecting is so fucking weird to me and I, and I tried to be like an art dealer when I was younger I would buy like little pieces of art at like uh, fucking uh, pop-ups and shit and try to resell them on Etsy and stuff like that and it was fucking it felt wrong you know <laughs> it felt fucking weird and wrong and yeah, it was I, and I, I, I get that like I like I, I think it's so extremely important not because I feel like I kind of suck off Ollie's a little bit too much on my show but um, I think it's extremely important that Ollie's has an art gallery, sort of. Mm -hmm. And having that art on display for people to look at and not in Sean's closet somewhere, not in Sean's seventh bedroom or whatever. Not that he has any of those things, but you, you know what I mean? Like, the fact that that art is somewhere public where people can observe it and look at it and enjoy it and kind of 
make that memory like somewhere that can be appreciated is really cool. Like I have um, a picture from Cody and Co's final performance. And as far as I know, Cody can correct me, but there's there's not going to be two Cody and Co final performances. There's not going to be three. Like that's a moment. You can say this in until time. they get the offer of $5 million and do the reunion. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. But um, like that's, that's a, there's only one of those pictures printed out. Me, Dude. me, and Cody are the only ones that have access to that dry folder. Maybe the saxophone player and Sky, but um, sorry, I, I was probably rude to call him the saxophone player. I'm just terrible with names. But uh, um, I think Mega, I believe. Yeah, I just um, oh, you're good. I'm terrible with names too. I, I feel yeah. terrible when I first meet people because I'm like drugs and concussions. I will not remember your name for until like, pretty the much third same. Time. Yeah, but um. <laughs> But, yeah, like, it's just that's a moment in time that is, like, currently immortalized on that wall. And once that photo is taken off the wall and once I've moved wherever else and, and Cody's completely moved on from Cody and Co., like, that moment is gone. So just, like, I feel like that moment kind of lives on that wall, and that's really special. Yeah, I it is. I mean, it's it's one of those things where it's it's... I having those types of experiences, like we all, I think it's, it's safe to say that for the most part, people want to have those either like types of experiences that moves them, whether that be communal, you know, individually with a partner, whatever, whether you go to the Grand Canyon or having that, but having those moments captured and knowing that that's something that, you know, was kind of a once in a lifetime deal. It's fucking special to have. And again, it comes down to like being able to share it, being able to be like, I, I think like the beauty of that, that photo is really like, not only is it that moment that you took, but now it's shared for everybody else. And you, yeah. can, you can kind of bask in that too. Yeah, I absolutely. And that's, so I've been, I've been having a running joke on my Instagram story. So I, for, for forever, I had the 200 gigabyte plan for Google Drive, and that's why I used to store and share all my pictures. And I always joked, okay, once, once I hit 200 gigabytes, I'm retiring. And surely enough, I hit 200 gigabytes, and I upgraded to the 2 terabyte plan. But, you know, I, I, I'd rather purchase 20 terabytes of storage than get rid of concert photos. Because you never know, like... You just never know, like what that, what those moments can mean to me or somebody ten years from now or fifteen years from now, or even, or even a year from now. Like yeah. I, I did it, I did it once with Emerald Visions photos. I'm like, oh, they broke up and it went badly. They're not gonna want these. And then Ryan's like, hey, do you still have those Emerald Vision photos? I'm like, fuck. So like, you know, it's just that's a lesson I learned. Is just like, art, art is meant to be preserved and it's meant to be seen. Yeah, definitely. And it and it's and it's especially those. I'm not like a picture member, but I also keep them like and it's also like the nostalgia. Like I understand nostalgia for that reason because it's like I keep a lot of things that remind me of times past gone. And they're not necessarily pictures, they're just a little items because that's just how my brain works. Like it's a here's the weird thing about me. I don't get excited to go skateboarding by watching skateboard movies. I have to watch something else. Like a French film one time got me excited to go see. I think it was, 
I think it was a really depressing French film too, like The Fire Within from like Malay or something. But like those things that kind of entice that kind of memory of, of having those experiences, it's, I think it's just something like, you know, that that's going to be a universal feeling no matter what for everybody. And it's always a great feeling, you know? Like, no matter what, good art is always going to move you in, in ways that you probably won't even know. And especially if it's personal good art, that that builds a fucking connection to you and the artist, too. That is just relatable and kind of makes you feel like you're you have a place in the world. Yeah, so kind of diving deeper into art. So I had to kind of this is going to be me talking about myself, but it's going to turn. But it's leading up to a question about you. So, um, so just bear with me. So like I said, it, I say it a bunch, but I am my art. My art is me. Whenever you look at a photo, you see Jackson. Whenever you look at Jackson, whatever you see in Jackson, you see him in my photos. If I'm pissed that day, you're going to see my photos. If I'm happy that day, my photos will look a little bit different. Like, it's just my art is a reflection of me. And like, I've had struggles with mental health forever. And like having photography as an outlet to put my feelings and my thoughts and my emotions into is just the best thing ever. So would you say you get that same feeling from your comedy or writing or or um skateboarding? I mean, yeah. And I think here's the thing is like, I don't, I hate being like kind of late and shit. Like you're putting it in a box. Like I want to yeah, do true, a lot yeah. of things. Like, so uh, a lot of the, the effort that I put in it, whether if I'm passionate about it, yeah, that's the feeling that I'm going for. Like it, yeah. and, and it's weird because it always kind of stems like, cause I grew up skateboarding and that's kind of like that and art was, were the kind of two things that, that kind of started me off is like, I remember seeing Mark Rothko's uh, fucking the Texas blue paintings where they're just these big 30 fucking feet things of blue. When I was younger, uh, growing up in Queens, my mom took me to fucking, um, goddamn the museum of modern art and MoMA um and I got to see those and it was such a fucking like breaking experience like it kind of broke my brain a little bit <laughs> seeing that and being like whoa but it, having that emotion motive feeling and I didn't really like, kind of like like playing music and being in band and stuff like that and playing sports kind of try to get to that feeling but I didn't feel that until skateboarding and skateboarding is 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 an individual type of thing you know it's you yeah. trying to challenge yourself to do something or see some see this piece of item in a different aspect and try something on it and that feeling of accomplishment is such a and kind of like there's also a communal feeling because if you find friends and it, it's almost like you see your friends wanting to push you to do the trick and think and that can be equated to so many like that feeling isn't doesn't need to be boxed in on a on a, on a specific aspect of art whether it be performative or something like that so i would say yes to your question but in in, in any artistic endeavor so if like i write it's really personal and i want to fucking do it as best as possible and it's probably why i don't like sharing it so much like i submitted a story to lir not to put any pressure but it was a personal thing and it took me forever to like just fucking edit it down and be like, just talk to myself to be like, can I do this? Can I send it? Just hitting submit was a fucking big thing for me. And oh, yeah, uh, I, 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 I totally get it. Um, I, I'm not sure if I brought up much, but, um, I am working with Museaholic mag, which is like an upstart magazine thing. And, um, oh, yeah. and, um, it's, 
it's really brought out a new way of expressing myself that I haven't. I I used to be really into writing. I, I was in the journalism class or whatever when I was in high school, and I really loved it. But now I'm able to do that with music. It's just an amazing way to like express myself and try new things. So it's just really cool. And like I've I was there too. Like my first article. I'm like, holy shit, what if they hate it? What's the worst fucking thing they've ever seen? Oh, what I if, that feeling. What yeah. if they tear me down? Like, for me, whenever I wrote essays in school, I'm an IT student now, so I don't have to do those anymore. But right. whenever I used to write essays in school, I wouldn't look at the grade on the essays until I went home. Because to me, like, what I write is, like, an extension of myself. So if they reject what I write, it's almost like they're rejecting me, and that's how that feels. Like, I it, would... You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, I know exactly. I did the same thing when I was younger. So like any any like little short piece. I remember my first published piece. I didn't know I was published until like two weeks after the letter came. So I had to like I I yeah. learned it like I got published at uh with Edison. That was my first published piece was at Edison when I first started college, and they had like a little like young writers gala, and I didn't know until the night before. And I here's I was kind of a like a artistic dick so. I got the the editing note that I got from from the editor was that I was using too many semicolons and I was kind of really into like John Dos Passos and fucking um um Wolf um back then so I was like fuck you I used the I use the semicolons whatever I want so I, I feel like that's the cliche almost like the overconfident writer always puts in way too many semicolons so much so many semicolons like i go through my old poetry and i'm just like oh you look like ee e. cummings had a bad dream Ugh, don't like it <laughs> um, so it's like it, i remember just being so fucking pompous and like so because it was just kind of like bloating myself up that i got drunk and like my speech they gave you like a little two minute speech where you could thank your family and stuff and i was like i thank semicolons i'm out <laughs> <laughs> and that, like, that, was, that was that was basically the kind of big, uh, this is why I didn't really pursue a writing career because that was my mentality of writing for a long time and any job I got that was like kind of gonna break me through I would fucking somehow fuck up just like whether and I didn't think I was I and here's the, and I think it, you're right it's just because like I wasn't ready for that kind of like I was just so hard on myself that I wasn't ready for that. I would pay people to do poetry readings for me. Like, I would just pay someone 20 bucks to be like, hey, do a poetry reading for me, and I'll get you some beers. And just, like, fuck off for, like, the rest of the night and just sit at the bar. It was so bad. Yeah, I mean, I've definitely been there, um, especially with, like, the semicolons thing. Semicolons, I, I always say words wrong. But, um... Like, oh, you're good. I do it all the time. If you expect me to say a French pronunciation correct, that's your fault. Like, um, back to Lost Trees, uh, my friend Johnny's band, uh, he gave me constructive criticism because I, th I think you've probably seen my photos enough to where I almost have like a portrait style of photos where like I mainly focus on like the face and like yeah. the moment around each performer instead of let's say the whole band shots and he was kind of like well you might want to try to get wider angles and you know uh get more crowd shots and yeah just basically like maybe if you get a wider lens you might get more work and stuff like that and at first i was like fuck you 
Like, I am killing it right now. I have all kinds of offers. I have this and the other. And then I was like, oh shit, maybe he's right. And that's why he won't hire me. So I started overcorrecting. I sold my... I didn't sell... I, I bought a really expensive wide-angle lens. And I started shooting wide-angle all the time. And I fucking hated it. Because it just wasn't me. And then... I was like, wait, I'll, I'll just switch to a zoom lens and I at least have the option. And what I learned is that, like, I can I can use both, you know. I can I can be mainly a portrait kind of conscious photographer, but I can also take some cool angles using the widest part of the zoom lens. So it's just, you know, it's like being able to, like, mature enough to handle that criticism and not having your ego be bruised whenever somebody tells right. you that something's wrong. Right, exactly, exactly, because it, it, it's it, and it and I took it and especially kind of figuring out my journey, whether it be like me personally or my mental health, is learning that that yeah, that those those are just those criticisms aren't really criticisms or they're constructive and they're more there to support you rather than like say you're a shit writer or something like that. Yeah, know? that's that's the hard part is that like. You put so much of yourself into your art or your writing to where it kind of becomes one the same. So where if somebody tries to give you advice on your art, it almost feels like they're criticizing you as like your being. And it becomes very hard. So it's kind of hard to juggle that. Like it's definitely an ego and self-esteem thing, I feel like. And it is. And it, it and it's also this, I think it's, and it's something to break is that mentality that art has to be serious or it has to be yeah. a certain type of mood and like i find it better when it when i'm in a more playful mood or 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 thinking of stuff like that you don't have to be tortured to produce good art and i always like i always okay i love this skate video and i I hate fucking like you bring skating right now but tilt mode man down back then and even to this day people take skateboarding so seriously and it's just a group of people having fun doing crazy shit but they're having fun and art should be, art should emote for sure, but it doesn't have to be one emotion at all times. And it should be this kind of beautiful cornucopia of emotions that you can express through this, this, this uh, medium that you're doing, you know? And I think that's, that's where, I don't want to say like the best art, but the art that resonates best to me comes from. Yeah. Yeah, there's no such thing as best art, which I wish people would understand. But hell, I find myself like whenever I'm looking oh, at somebody else, like another photographer, like when I'm looking at another photography's picture, I'm like, oh, I would have done this with the contrast, or I would have cropped this a different way, or I would have gone this different angle. But then I'm like, you know what? If that's what looks good to them, I'm sure p- certain people will enjoy it, and the way certain people enjoy mine. So it's just like, but um, I really. We've kind of danced around it, but like I think the main reason I brought you on is that you are a historian of the Southwest Florida scene, and you are working on a project. Uh, you said it's a spoken word type thing, kind of project you're working yeah. on. So what we're doing is I'm still in the early gestation cycles of it, um, still gathering materials for it. Uh, but it's gonna what the plan is to do an oral history of the Southwest Florida music scene, hopefully incorporate. You know, not only the kind of alternative rock, if you will, if we're going to do that type of fucking branding, um, but also like the hip hop and the kind of the 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 Latino scene that's in here. You know, there's yeah. a lot to build off of. Like, I grew up listening to the psychedelic states, and they would do like 
they would do like deep dives of 60s music from different states. So you would have Alabama, Florida, you know, Georgia, da, 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 da. and and there was also like the the oh god, I, the Soul Capsule Collection, which would also do soul music from different states. And I would grab the Florida records and just be amazed that this like because when I was growing up, it was like it's fucking Florida music, Tom Petty, and fucking um, the Almond Brothers. With no disrespect to either of them, they're all great. But that's what kind of people point to Florida music, right? Or like Gloria Stefan, if you're going to do like the Miami sound or Jimmy Buffett. Fucking Jimmy Buffett. But it, 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 so it was surprising that there is this kind of like this wonderful, insane sound coming from this, this place that wasn't getting a lot of credit. And uh, then you see, and then growing up and seeing like, like my first couple of shows, I think was like Monroe Locale and Scientist versus Werewolf. So if you know Colin Orion, that was one of his old bands, and they, that was at the Methodist Church on at Four Myers. Actually, no, my first show was actually at the Old Liquid Cafe, and uh, it was uh, God damn, I want to say it was a Gaslight Anthem and someone else. I want to say it was like Exploding Pages or some shit. Mark Mark's old band, but. There was there was an immense creative output that was that was being done, so it was really rad to see. And that's not even saying like the hardcore bands I would play because that's not my scene. I can't remember any of those bands. I apologize to anyone that's listening that was in that that scene back in back of the day. I apologize. It's, I'm I'm an idiot, so I can't remember them. Um, so seeing that, you know, it, it I think. And I, especially after reading like Meet Me in the Bathroom and that, that those types of oral histories, it's kind of like I think it would just be kind of cool to, to have like a little a little, you know, document saying where where everything came from and, and, and a little past reflection to kind of move forward to the future. So I, uh, that's a that's a project that I'm entailing. And it's hopefully if uh, hopefully we'll I will be getting it done here soon but it will be it'll be a fun project to do yeah that sounds really cool uh, i'd love to dive a bit deeper into the kind of material you'll be covering but we've been talking for a solid minute so i'd kind of like as we wrap up to keep things a bit more surface level yeah so um but i'll, I'll have you on as you start to progress more within the to, project yeah, yeah. Because I think we could probably do like 20 episodes with you based on what I've heard so far. So, like, it's we'll definitely have you back on, especially yeah, if we can get Ryan back and going too, because he'll probably have some good questions. Um, so, like, as as a member of the booking council, um, what advice would you give to a band that's just starting out to try to get booked somewhere? Uh, constant communication, you know. Don't be afraid to message people. A lot of the times when a show gets booked, it's someone who just messaged us. You know, it's literally not a lot of the times, but some of the times. But that's a nice feeling. Um, but the effort, it, it's being in a band is fun, uh, but it's also a grind. Um, so, you know, bars, especially if you're going to be playing at bars, you need to bring people. And that's the unfortunate fucking thing is that it could be. There, there's there's only so much a venue and a promoter can promote at the other end it's also the band needs to put out the word and, and work on stuff um second uh -huh. i would say oh shit huh? oh sorry oh, i just good. want to 
had a little tangent. Uh, yeah, yeah, like that's one thing I've noticed with high school bands I've seen. I hate going to shows with high school bands because the crowd is all obnoxious teenagers. But <laughs> bands with kids in high school, they pack the fuck out. People. Kids want to see other kids in their grade rock out, and that's pretty cool, yeah. I think. And it's pretty rad. But it's, yeah, it's yeah. Rad. So yeah, yeah what's the second thing you want to say, sorry. <laughs> Number two, uh, don't be afraid to experiment. Don't be afraid to to challenge yourself. Don't be afraid to get a little fucking weird and crazy. You know, like it, it, if 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 you have something that you want to try, fucking try it. You know, there's. There's no shame in failing. The the beauty that like the the thing about learning comedy and doing stand up is that you know it taught me to prepare myself for bad nights. And there's gonna be a bad night, and it's gonna be fucking completely disheartening, and it's gonna knock the wind out of yourself. Then you pick yourself back up, and you go, and you and you go to another show, and maybe the next night will be better than the last. So don't just get, don't be afraid to experiment. Don't be afraid to get weird. And don't be afraid to fail. That's and then lastly, fucking cherish, cherish the moments that you have now. If you're a band, because it could, you know, it could dissipate. It could change. It could become a job. But having those moments of having fun and creating and having spontaneity, that those are things that you're gonna use later on in life, whether you wanna, you wanna think about it or not. But it is something that is valuable and something to be cherished so that's my advice yeah that's really awesome um you're pretty in tune with what's going on at ollie's like i've seen you in the board meetings or whatever that y'all like to have in the hallway and lounge area <laughs> and stuff like that so what yeah, does the uh the employee meetings <laughs> yeah well what, what does what does the future of ollie's post-hurricane ian look like uh you know, I wish I could say a lot of great things uh, and, and give fantastical, like we're going to make a million dollars, we're going to book the greatest bands ever. Uh, I think it's doing the, 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 the continuance of what it's doing. I believe like there's going to be more bands, more shows, weirder things. We're fine-tuning a lot of things. There's Dave in the sandwich shop, which is always a delight. Uh, but... I think it's growing the family and the guild a lot of bigger, better, uh, and providing a better space for artists to do their art and be rad and have a fucking fun time while doing it. And hopefully, you know, with the continued support from the community, the continued support of people who show up, you know, uh, the more we get people uh, during the weekdays, the more that place stays and the more that we can build from there. So the big, the biggest thing for, for Ollie's is just to keep doing what it's doing. And it's fucking just getting, getting as many people to kind of spread the good word of Ollie's, you know? Yeah, I completely agree. And I have an idea based on something you told me earlier that I'd like you to run up to run up the ladder to Shawnee. You can even take credit if you'd like. Oh, no, I always give credit where credit's due, but I'll definitely help run the ladder up. So in the record shop area, there's like a section of new records and a section of old records. I always see people looking at the newer records and there's a bit of space in there. Here's what I would do. I would get rid of some of the old records, merge the old records with the new records and where the old records are, put a comic book area. 
because I think there is a lot of cross oh boy. cross mingling of geeks and people that like heavy music and rock music. So I think I, that could be yeah. I think that could be a cool idea. I don't know. I mean that's like a whole new world for Sean to get into, but maybe somebody like you could manage that. Oh yeah, oh boy. If I could if that that's a show that I've been pitching for most of my life is just fucking storytelling comic book storytelling time with Pedro. <laughs> that would yeah, be, be everything I wanted. That yeah. would be sick. I, I will definitely try to push that. <laughs> but um so at the beginning of the show, we have a song, and that's usually uh, a something that the band wrote. But uh, as far as I know, uh, you're not in a band. Um, nope. So uh, I was wondering what your choices would be for songs to start the podcast with and end the podcast with. Oh, uh, to start the podcast with? Wow, what, what would be a song that I would start a podcast with me on? <laughs> This feels I feel like completely neurotic right now. It's like, hmm, it's all about me, you say. Ooh, okay. Uh just please let I, me on Spotify because I am broke. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> so if I would have to pick two songs, uh the end song definitely has to be Satellite of Love by Lou Reed. Because okay. it, it is a beautiful song that should end every night. And I wish and I wish the best and good health for everyone who comes by. Um, I don't know. I would say, I would say, honestly, Chris, fucking Crystal Cat by Dan Deacon, if you could find that. Or no, I'm sorry. No, no. Wham City. Wham City. Wham City by Yeah, who? like by Dan Deacon. Okay. I'll look yeah, into like that. In if I have any trouble finding it, I'll let you know. Yeah, just a heads up, two minutes into the song is when it gets crazy, and that's the part that I like. Okay, awesome. So, well, uh, thank you for joining me today, Pedro. It's been awesome having you. I wish we could talk about a lot more stuff, but my ears hurt from these headphones, so yeah, I gotta go. I got, I, I got Jamie and dogs waiting for me in, some, in a bowl, so I'm ready to lay down and relax. And I appreciate well, it, Jackson. This was fun. I would love to do this again.
was gold into a huge hand that had held by a bear who had a sick band of ghosts and cats and pigs and bats with brooms and bats and wings and rats that play big dogs like queens and kings and everyone plays drums and sings about big sharks, sharp swords, beasts, beasts, bees, lords, sweet cakes, mace, lace, my, 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 my,